and welcome to the 14th Mad X-Men Lockdown podcast in day 99 of lockdown, so we understand. This week we've got the full regular crew, all the regular features. We introduced something new as well for your interest and excitement, which is recapping the questions that we posed last week but failed to answer. There are probably quite a few of them. We talk on subjects as diverse as Clippers, Malifaux, we look at the later Austrians. We're into talking to Timmy about Napoleon in the after Austerlitz period, or possibly Austerlitz, depending on which way you lean. And then we do all the usual roundups of painting and, of course, Andy's quiz. So sit back, enjoy the podcast. One of our computer literate experts here tells us that this is the 99th day of UK lockdown, which for our, I believe, 14th podcast after surviving number 13 last week, for the mathematically amongst you means that there's some sort of division thing that is way, way beyond me after about half a bottle of wine. But welcome to the other six people in the Zoom screen, uh, as the way this works. Uh, everybody's giving Hello. a wave. That's all good. Hello. Fantastic. Are, the, the normal, the normal full crew are here, which is marvellous. And um, to go straight into this, we're actually at week 14. We've, we've yet again, for the third time, I believe, introduced a vaguely new feature. And um, someone has pointed out that a lot of the descriptions online for these podcasts feature um, questions which we actually don't get the answers to um, from the previous um, previous questions. So, so if I just um, start a new feature that we're going to call any other business, we're going to attempt to answer some of the questions we thought we'd asked last week and answered, but we'd actually not asked, but we'd just answered instead. So first up, and, um, and if I go around, the question is, what length of bungee cord, and we can do this in um, Imperial, I believe, is probably best, so it's consistent, is the best to attach a duvet cord to the side of an elephant. And first up, Simon, what length, Imperial? Six feet. Six feet. Andy? I think it depends what scale, but I'd say more like four. Four. Peter Webb, you and your hair. Better be you 12. 12. He's going for 12 foot. Dave Saunders? Oh, oh, big elephant. Big What's elephant. What's a duvet bungee cord? Yes, there we go. Good answer. Tamsin, what do you think? Two cubits. Two cubits. Oh, he's going old school. Oh, Mr. Mr. Adam, down on the south coast. Um, is that a European or an African elephant? That's a very good question as well. That's, that, that sorts that one. So next question then. Um, you've got to know these which, things when you're a king. You've got to know these things. Which of Napoleon's marshals would have Bernard Breslau been had there been a Carry On Boney, the film, ever made. So, Simon, Yay! you're Australian. Have you got any clue what any of those words mean? I know some French do call Napoleon. After that, I'm out. <laughs> right, Andy. Bernie Breslau. Bernie, Bernie is he Breslau. the tall bald bloke? He's the tall bald bloke. No, he's the guy bloke. with the big... He's, yeah, he's a bit... He's the tall bald like bloke, Adam, you oh. six-foot bald person. Who do you think it would yep. be? That would be Marshal Daval then, wouldn't it? Marshal Daval. Peter Webb? Yeah, I'd have said Daval. Dave Saunders? Uh, definitely not Lan. Definitely not Lan, no. That's, that's, that's oh. half an answer. We'll let you off on that one. Who is the one who ends up being King of Sweden? It's him. That's Bernadotte. Yeah, Bernadotte, that's the one. Bernadotte. Tamsin, any thoughts on this one? No thoughts at all. No thoughts at all. Andy Finkel, I think you'd said nay before. Are you still yeah. sticking with nay? 
I'd say Bernard Breslau's make a good well, answer. Well, you know? Because he was a bit accident prone and he was actually wounded 26 times during the wars. So you'd say nay on that basis then. Okay. No, um, and then, no right. Okay. So then um, our other one was um, do badgers make good toupees? And we'll come to Peter last. So Simon, looking at the screen, you got any views on this? <laughs> yes. Looking at Mr. Webb, we have exhibit A. Andy Finkel. Wow, that is just impressive. Andy Finkel. Badgers on the head. Have you seen anyone like that recently? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going for the uh, Yul Brynner look. Yul Brynner look. Dave Saunders, what do you think about people with badges well, on their head? Bear with me here, but um, I do believe there was an outcry a few years ago that um, the uh, Scottish sporran was often made out of uh, badges, and there was an outcry about this being cruel to badgers. Therefore, I would hazard to say, Peter, is that a badger on your head? Is that a sporran on your head? Or are you just pleased to see me? <laughs> right. Always Sam pleased to see you, Dave. Of course. Not for the right reason. Tamsin, any, any thoughts on the old head badger scenario? As modelled by one of, the, one of our crew, I think they work. And um, Adam, from, from again, from the South Coast. How, well, I'm assuming, the badger situation in Dorset? I'm assuming it's a specially trained stunt badger. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's kind of working, yeah. Right, Peter, have you, um, how's your Amazon deliveries of hair clippers going? Uh, you see, why would I want to disturb the badger? You it's don't want to disturb the badger. That's, yeah, that, that's probably the quote of the week. We don't want to disturb the badger. Um, okay. Well, I think that's any other business or um, matters arising completely, completely rationalised for the week and we should get back into something more normal. So going, going round, going round it, um, on who's... Sorry, can I just come with... Oh. Was, was one of the questions, can you ever trust an American? One of the questions was, can you ever trust an American? We could quickly go around the room with that one. What would you say? Yes. We play no. enough of them. How did it go? Yes, no. I, I just Yes, I just want to give a shout out. I can't remember who it was. can't remember the name. But just remember, Tim, when we played in Birmingham, Alabama, and ding, we ding, flew ding, into ding, Atlanta. Ding, ding. Yeah. We flew into Atlanta, and some chap from Atlanta was going to play in Birmingham as well. And he said, mm. oh, I'll give you a lift down. And we mm. said, thank you very much. And he picked us up and said, oh, I can't come because it's my daughter's wedding or something. So he drove us there anyhow and then came back again. And I can't remember his it, name. No, he's a top Big player, shout he? out to him. Yeah, yeah shout was... out to him. He, he did have a truck as well, which was proper. And I think, wow. is it right that we bought him a bottle of scotch and then he told us he didn't drink? Was like, yes. That was it. <laughs> Heresy, I know. But yes, so the answer to can you trust Americans is some of them which um, is maybe not as decisive as we like. Right, great. The answer so, is yes, but not in an official capacity. Not in an official capacity. So, Mr Finkel, talk yes. to us of your week of painting. Is, is this Irish? Is this drilling? Is there undercoating? What's going on? Um, the Irish are finished. Um, finished some lunchtime today. So the next project is the other drilled lot, which is the 15 mil Seleucid pikemen. But the moment I'm, to make... I'm sorry? Were they Zeiston or forged in battle? I'm trying to remember. Forged in battle. Forged in battle, okay. They're more like 15s and 18s, I would say. Day and they, inside pike fit in them. Yeah, I've, I've, well, I drilled a hole and now the pikes do fit, yeah. Wow, I'm amazed, because those are pretty hefty pikes they've got there. They're barge poles. Yeah. Okay, so are they, are they based and mounted? How have you approached painting them? Have you done them on a strip? Have you pre-based them before trying to do them? What's, what's nothing yet. The first, 
Just no, nothing. I haven't actually started doing anything yet. First, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to undercate them. I use, I use a grey primer. I like that colour because it means I can see what's going on, but they're not too shiny. Mm. Um, and then after that, I'll um, move it on from there. I tend to paint from the inside out, so I'll do the flesh, then I'll do other stuff and finish up with the outer bits. Okay, is a theory. And and how you know on a scale of of one to yay, how how happy are you with the Irish now that you've got them for for Saga? Is this an army you're thinking I'm desperate to put this on the table, or is that you're thinking I've kind of done them there? Okay. Well, I'm kind of pleased that I got it out of the way because they've been some sitting around for a while, and um, um, I think they've come out reasonably well. And um, I, I really need to read up the new Saga rules and wrap my head around them before I play anything with them, you know, even allowing for a lockdown. But uh, hmm. yeah, I think if, if somebody said that's the game of Saga, I'd trot out the Irish and give them a go. Okay, well, maybe that's something that um, we could work out a way of adapting Tabletop Simulator for. There must be a way of doing that now that we've got um, I thought someone the figures. Had... Someone has already, okay. Yeah, I've, I thought I saw one. Yeah, no, it must be. The biggest, chal- yeah, the biggest mental challenge really was thinking what colour to paint the shields because uh, I just didn't want just all boring, uh, you know, dark wooden shields. So I wanted to paint yeah. some sort of patterns of things. Gold. On them, but <laughs> just give him some Phoenix beard mats. Yeah, Peter's yeah. chipping well, in the, there with gold. This guy, you know, he's, got, he's got Irish national flag colours on his shield. So. Gold. That's good. That's good. Leprechaun. Yep. <laughs> So Peter, you know, dropping down on the window, have you paint spray painted anything gold by accident this week? Because uh, no, I saw, I think, did I see on um, that your Austrians actually arrived? Austrians. So from, uh, from somewhere in England. From somewhere yes. in England was this? Yeah. Uh, yes, these are the Eureka ones finally turning up. So I've um, got um, Jaegers. I've got uh, lots of landwehr and some uh, um, dragoons and such like. So I'm. Um, uh, been going through cleaning them up, spraying them, and uh, slowly painting them. So anything that's not anything that's not white, basically. Basically, yeah. Only I realised that I only had white undercoat left, and I wish I'd got, you know, uh, a couple of colours, and then I would have been three quarters done by now. Yeah, <laughs> you could have green undercoat or something you know, like that. Grey on the Jaegers, yeah, they're all done now. Just they're all sorted. Left. Fine. Black hats, they, 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 green yeah, cuffs. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Might even do so, boots. Yeah. Uh, wow. but, oh yeah, um, I suppose probably yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, it's shiny yeah. brass buttons, but they probably wouldn't show up on fifteen mil. Brass buttons. Gold. Yeah, I wouldn't gold. Peter would have done them gold, and then then yeah. used an ink wash over them or something. Ancient gold. <laughs> yeah. Ancient, Ancient gold. gold. There you go. That could have been it. Okay. <laughs> so you've Absolutely. been deep. You've been deep in Austrians this week. So so going across, Dave, with your yeah, um, they've even got sti- top oh. hats. The, oh, they've the got top work. hats. Yeah, we've got top hats. That imagine going to war with the top hat. That is just fantastic. I suppose you can. Um, always they're pull my new favourite figure. It. You can always pull something out of it, can't you? I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, my, the temptation to paint a sort of black and white scheme is almost overwhelming, even though that's yeah. not relevant. No. <laughs> <laughs> paint them as city gents or something. Get exactly. Them all lined up yeah, a couple of canes. They're part of that part could... of a Busby Busby Berkeley routine, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely, it's fantastic. And they all dive in a swimming pool at the end. Uh, so <laughs> go, going across, so Dave, your haircut is, um, you know, from one haircut to another haircut, your haircut is still looking pretty brutal from last week, which is, which is a great sign. Uh, although maybe it's just the lighting it's, here um, on Zoom. It's becoming more melded in now, livable. It's, it's no, livable. It's I'm enjoying having very short hair. It's great. I'm really enjoying it. So you've... Um, so that doesn't look like a Heffa Heffersteiner 
in front of you. It looks a little bit darker. Yeah. It is still Hefesteiner. You're just still yeah. chewing through the Hefesteiner. <laughs> I, did, I did get a bit weird this week and start drinking um, some, what's he call it? Um, session thingamajig. Uh, oh, I can't remember what they're called. Yeah. That lot. Anyway, it was quite good, but it was a lot more expensive. This Hefesteiner is by far the best beer, and it's also one of the cheapest. Oh, right. Oh, that's good. Well, I, I must admit, I'm here with them. Um, 500 mils, you know? So I'm, it's I'm, like. Yeah, if you do 500 mils, that's a good thing, actually. No, I'm here with Lost and Found, um, ABL from somewhere, which does something apparently to plant trees, but it's it's um <coughs> it's chewing along. So, what um so what have you have you finished the Egyptians now, or is this just no, I'm, end I'm game? Still I'm still playing the Egyptians. It's boring. Even, it's even boring me. So, mm. I mean, I've I've done the chariots, the four chariots I've got, but I still need a lot more chariots, but. Fortunately, I can't get them because the Fighting 15s are still closed. But when they open up, I'll get some more chariots. So I've, I've got four more lots of bowmen, which will make 10 bowmen. Oh, that's about six too many. I know, exactly. <laughs> oh, squishy on the belly, if you ask me. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, they're fun. They're all right. Um, but I have, I have got the Kurisanian ottoman turks out of the box and had a look at them it's a cast off army shawns hmm. which i got 50 quid which is a bargain that's the result that's good especially as the postage from america would have been 50 quid just alone no that's fantastic good and i've worked out there's about uh so 12 there's got to be at least 12 bases of medium cavalry four of the light horse the four compulsory light horses yeah. The um, Janissaries are probably the best Janissaries I've seen. Yeah. Okay. Which is not going well. I mean, mm. there's four poses and they're actually nice. And they've actually got the Janissary firing his bow overarm. So he's actually firing from an up in the air. Yeah, that's exactly like you're sort of demonstrating there, Simon. Like wow. Japanese. Yeah, sort of that sort of action. Yeah. So I, they, look, they look like nice figures. The horses are a bit overly animated. Hmm. They look like they're about to fall on their stomachs with their legs going out. Dave, can I ask? Because yeah. every time I sort of like look at you, I always think, "No, there's a man that can't find a decent 15 mil Yancey." Yeah. Um, <laughs> why not? What's wrong with it's like all the other companies? Why? Why are you so down on every company's output of your uh, sort of like Yancey troops? Oh, now this is now this is a question. Because um, you you've looked well, we've looked. The old at a few, glory ones, the old glory packet you can pick out. It's like having a big bag of sweets, but you just want the black ones. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot which I passed on to Tim, which are the rubbish ones with. Yeah, yeah, I, I got the castles like from the old glory thing. thing. Yeah, they look like they had dunces hats on rather yeah. than yantary hats on. And those, so those, Essex, those Essex ones are so generic that everyone's got them. You know, it's just like yeah, you see I've them and those. your heart sinks. Yeah. And, and who, there's only two poses. Yeah. yeah. I know there's a bag of offices to make it look more interesting. But, I mean, I mean it just seems that you, you see an Ottoman army and it's always the um, Essex. Um, Essex should do some recasts of those. They should redo them. They're really old and they should do some again. And the frustrating thing is the old glory pack of the, the proper Renaissance um, genisseries <coughs> with musket is fantastic. They've just got hundreds of different poses. They're really nice figures. They're really nicely animated. But but genisseries with bows, it just doesn't... We've Well, me and Dave have both struggled to find anybody with, with yeah. a decent set. And I think part of it is it's that old classic of Essex 
made all their stuff when everybody wanted monopose figures yeah. and now we all have you know the whatever it is the zeitgeist has moved on and we all look at them as a a much more kind of eclectic individual you know set of set of people doing their own stuff pretty coolly like kind of i don't know turkish samurai without testicles or something and and you want them to all be more um more differently animated and more dynamic and and there just isn't really anyone who does does that that we've been able to find and no yeah. and, but you, the real frustration the, the old glory when the the ones with um with muskets are, are just so so good and they're like why didn't you just dial that back another five years and make a bag with bows i think old grand? glory old glory made some of their renaissance figures uh they redid them i reckon because their 30 years war german figures are really nice the ones i use yeah. most i mean I've, all my 30 years more have been um, um leisure Heroica, don't they do some Janissaries? Yeah, no, they they do. They're only sort of they're sixteenth, so they're about eighteenth century. They're the siege of Vienna. Yeah, so they're, 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 they are the ones with muskets, and we want ones with bows. Siege of Vienna was late seventeenth. Yeah, sixteen eighty three. They don't have they're just money. not bow arms. They're just not bow arms. No. I've got yeah. I've got some of the the museum miniature ones and they're very nice, but again they're like Essex where they are single pose. So you have yeah. the one choice of guy with bow going, yep, shoot, that's shoot. it, and you have the choice of that one or that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just they're they're just such a key trip, and, and every army needs them, and every needs Osmans, but you don't have that many of them, so it's it's just a kind of slightly odd thing. So it's slightly frustrating. But. but I have to say that, I mean, during, I mean, I know you lot have all been working from home. I've been on furlough for 90 days. So I've, I've had a lot of time. And I, I've actually really quite enjoyed painting figures from different manufacturers. Mm. Mm. So I've painted a Gladiator Army and I've painted a War and Empire Army and I've painted a Eureka Samurai Army. And this Ottoman Army, when, once I get to it, will be the fourth manufacturer, the Kurosanian, which will be four manufacturers in 90 days that, that's that's been quite fun yeah are there any, are any you know when you look at those three that you've already done are there any kind of ones that you go that's easy to paint with a certain type of style or something like that or or is it just I nice mean, to have a change i when i first looked at the war and empire figures a while back when i sort of saw them out i thought i didn't like them but uh, then I saw uh, the, the guy from Ainsty Miniatures did a Carthaginian army and it was really beautiful, but he's a very good painter. Andy, so, yeah, very good. Very good painter and I sort of reappraised them. And then I'm, I'm really, I'm, I think that they, they are really good, the way they paint up, the way they take ink. Um, yeah. I really, really like those figures. I mean, uh, there's, all, there's always something imperfect. I prefer them with open hands so you can put your own spears in, but that's just my taste, I prefer that. Um, yeah, no, I think the War and Empire are a real improvement. And they're quite small. I like the way they've gone back to being smaller figures. Yeah, proper you know, 15s. They're, they're nice to paint yeah. up. They're easy for even me to actually do them half decent. And they've, got, they've got a nice amount of detail Mine on them. Hmm. Yeah, it's a reasonable amount of variety in there. Yeah. So oh, would, you say the, out, yeah? would you say the War and Empire is kind of, of the three, the the best for painting or or is it just the best to get them done and, and no do the figures do the most there whereas the rest you need to paint a bit more that's if that makes sense no, i mean that's i mean i've always i've always liked painting zyston mm. i mean i think i cut my teeth on painting zyston i learned to paint properly with zyston 
you know, got my techniques up yeah. and thinking that. And, I, and I'm really pleased with the Zystom figures for the Macedonians because that's my, all my Macedonians have been that. Um, but if I was going, I'd, I'd probably go for Warren Empire of all the manufacturers at the moment. Right. Just to pick that out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going from that. Uh, Tamsin, I'm, I'm guessing that it's been World of Judge Dread for you this week from it some of the stuff indeed. you've seen it on the blog. Indeed. Uh, just get my gallery open. Yeah. So you've been finishing off some of the um, some of the the more perpetrators and and the crowd scene people that the judges got done a while ago, and then I think last week you were talking about doing the the legendary belly wheel fatties as well, weren't you? Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I finished painting them, but was working on a little bit of terrain to photograph them with. Mm. Really. So there's a uh, obviously a burger joint has to be done for those then. Get burger. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> does that so does that light up? Wow. Well, that's really neat. No, that's that's spectacular. That is that's um that's really painting the the different they layering are, and that, they are a, all they are awesome. I've met some people looking like that at historical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I also painted up the last the last two packs two packs uh, of figures that I had from the range. So you've got the Denizens of Mega City 1 pack and the Arch Villains pack. Mm -hmm. So just going through. <laughs> wow. Look at, look at that. No, that's superb stuff there. That really is good, got, isn't it? I, some of the, some, I, most of these are characters that aficionados will recognise. So. Hmm. so do you, uh, you know, for these are single figures and, and you just come off painting um, the that you know a mass unit of perries so yeah. i'm well i say i'm, I'm assuming or hoping um, for my own self-respect that um you're adopting a slightly different technique and, and level of effort with these sort of individual yeah, single I, figures I am, yeah. I am yeah. <laughs> certainly it's more focus and going yeah. more levels highlighting and yeah. filter washes to tone things down if we go too far so do you use many you know on these because i'm looking at them and thinking they look like they're almost um, sort of, you know, foundry three layer, but but then with with dry brushing and highlights. But do you use washes on no these ones at all? No dry brushing. Um, no dry brushing. There's washes involved uh, and glazes. Hmm. But it's mostly mostly layering. Using uh, some some cases, like uh, on the jeans here, this guy, Mean Machine Angels. Hmm. To do the highlights, just do very fine fine lines dashing down along the. It helps create a little bit of texture. Okay, so that's not just like a, a block of lighter colour, it's actually a series of fine lines that all blur together then. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I'm, I'm astonished uh, it's Dave. no dry brushing. Uh, yeah. Dave. Yes. Judge Death. Prime is life. Yeah. Oh, look, that is a beautiful figure. Judge that's Death. That's awesome, isn't it? That's, yeah, he's, um, yeah, that's... he's celebrating something there, isn't he? I always thought he's Welsh, Judge Death. Enough. I thought the um funny enough, his real his real name was Sydney Dayath. Okay. So that's so that's all the figures that I, I the on the left now finished. I recognise from the uh, So I'm working on some terrain. Actually, I sitting here as we, as we speak, I'm working on some terrain doing some weathering on 
on some shipping containers. All right. Well, Adam, you look like you're literally you're gluing something as we speak. Sorry to interrupt you with your um your gorilla glue moment there, but um but what have you been um what have you been up to this week? Um, last week I did a batch of 12, 28 mil Mongolian horse archery type people from Fireforge. Oh um, yes, you were just starting that, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, and I am very pleased because I put on the final matte varnish this afternoon. So um, mm. I've got them done, which for me is um, very, very quick. I did the thing where I was going to undercoat the horses black and yeah. the riders white. I was a little bit worried about that to see when they went together, whether... Mm. But the it two styles look yeah. weird, but they don't. Um, I think the riders do look a bit, little bit brighter, but that's kind of okay. And again, it's sort of like undercoating the horses black, not having to paint most of the manes and tails. Um, yeah. If I was going to paint them as well as I possibly could, the horse manes and tails wouldn't be a pure black. But yeah. for doing them quickly, black's good enough. Yeah. Um, and that just saved lots of time. And sort of like putting them together... I'm just really pleased again. Again, it's they're not going to win any awards, but um, one thing because I haven't really batch painted 28 mil figures before. Most 28 mil painting I've been doing things like Malifaux, mm. which um, which is the odd occasional figure here and there, so it's not too bad. And one thing I didn't realise is how much more time a 28 mil figure takes to paint than a 15 mil figure, mm. just because it's so much bigger. There's so um, much more surface area, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And there is. And it takes a huge amount of time more, just like painting the horse to get all over the horse. The sort of yeah. technique you're doing the same and the things that you're doing the same. But because there's so much more surface area, it takes so much longer. So I've only done 12 in a week and I had to really push, sort of like make time to do that. But I'm really I think, I, I, think got, I also find the, um, you know, those little bits where you go over the line a bit, you, you kind of know on a 28 mil figure, the wash isn't going to hide that. Whereas on a 15, it probably will when they're all kind of squished together and in the second rank. But so th there's even a bit more kind of taking care of stuff, which, yeah. um, as well as just the sheer physical footprint or the, you know, the surface area of the troops. Well, it it's took me two thing. weeks to paint those Irish and there's about 20 of them. Yeah. No, it, it's just a different scale. Whereas Dave's taken most of his lifetime to finish these Egyptians really. And, um, you know, the, no, no, but you had to, um, you had a lot more hair when you started, but that's a, that's a different thing. And now, um, Peter, and now Peter's got it all as well. Well, once he's got another 20 units of Bowman, then it'll be done. That'll be true. One thing, true. one thing I've noticed with people that don't paint on soldiers is they're more impressed with the smaller scale being painted because mm. they, they say, Oh, isn't that so small? That must be really difficult, but it's actually a lot easier. Because it's like painting 10 mil figures, doing the face. Yeah. If it's undercoated black, you just sort of like one sweep across the flesh done. color and it's kind of done. Whereas 28 yeah. mil figures, oh God, you got to get under. I'd, oh, it's, it's gone in the beard. Oh, bugger. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there's like just so much more to do. Yeah, you're painting the figure, not the unit. In 10 mil, you're painting the unit for sure. Yeah. That's the visual effect. Okay. So has it just been the Mongols this week? No, no tanks have crept in, no scenery's crept in. No, just, and as I say, it's sort of like I, I've had to push and I've been a bit told off that I've sort of like, I've snuck off to sort of like paint toy soldiers because right. uh, it's uh, <laughs> finding time to do it. But I'm glad that I've got, got it done. The pressure of the podcast. All right. Okay. Simon, what about you? Just um, go around the screen. So this week I've uh, now finished off seven of the Museum Z generation elephants. 
So seven, um, seven. Yeah, wow. seven. Yeah. So I finished. What army off. has seven? You're not really trying, Simon. Come on, be honest. No. Well, 18th yeah. century Swedish army's got seven. Yeah. All of them. Four plus commands. Yeah. So the, the, there's um yeah four elephants plus commands, but this could be for the Ottoman Turkish with the elephant ally. Uh, we, which we all know of. Um, Is that a man I, who's writing army lists for a rule set? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I just thought the, the what museum have done with these new elephants, they are so beautiful. I've had to upgrade some of my, some of my existing elephants to buy some more of theirs. So I've um, re, you know, bought enough elephants to do my classical Indians and just replace all the main elephants wow. with okay. more pretty ones. So I may have a whole classical Indian elephant army for sale, but minor details. Okay. Um, well, we'll, well, next next week we'll put out the eBay link um, yeah. on the podcast. So, yeah. See if we can <laughs> so, drive um, some interest. But they, yeah, from from an elephant model, they're quite nice because I've now tried about four different ranges of elephants, and they're quite nice and sharp. And they give you like. Um, yeah, a n- nice amount of crew. The elephant looks quite good. It's got tassels. It's got big tusks and all that. So we've so done those. Does that mean you're going to start on uh, 28 mil Indian army next? Well, week? I've done the, uh, I've done a 20 mil Chinese army with the elephants. There may be four of those, and they look well stompy. Um, I don't need more elephants, he says. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Wait till next week. There will be some more elephants. Yep. Um, That's not something you'll ever hear Peter say. Yeah. Well, I've already got them. <laughs> yeah. But I've also, I've also now finished off the the King of the Battlefield Swedish Army. So I've now finished off the final random cavalry command of some guys with swords and they look, look like um, hazards type of guys with you know, hmm. lots of tassels and gold and all that with the swords waving up as they charge along. So they're quite cute. And then for something completely different, I've finished off a 15 mil baggage for ADLG comprising of half a dozen or so donkeys carrying luggage of various shapes and sizes to make a nice baggage unit. Oh, is that, is that Donington stuff or where did you get that from? That was from, no, that was from, um, Magister Militia. Okay. Sorry. Didn't you do a camp as well? Oh, um, I'd, I'd finished the the, um, the ancient British um, Stonehenge camp a few weeks ago. I just thought to, um, I hadn't posted any photographs of it. But um, when I bought my chariots and my druids for, that, for the ancient British um, baggage, when I was on the major militia website, as a war gamer does, you, you can't help but browse and go, oh, look, there's some donkeys carrying baggage. I don't need those, but I'll buy four of those anyway, because I'm sure I can make a baggage for a, a Turkish army or something like that, you know, or a um, Bedouin or biblical, biblical army. So I uh, d- did all those guys. No, I think that makes sense. Okay. All right. And what's, if, you want, um, if you want your Stonehenge um, army base to look authentic, you want to buy a camper van for it. <laughs> now, now I vastly extend it and build a network of um, enormously deep pits around it like <laughs> counts as well. To do, a use, bit to do the underground road for the A3. Bypass, yeah. <laughs> It'll be a bypass under the table for sure. Oh, and no, no, I'm saving that because I've got enough of that, the, the kit that I bought to make the baggage. There's enough of the Stonehenge model to make a, a BUA or a village for ADLG. So I'm thinking of making an ADLG village with a Stonehenge, then the road around it because then I can get a, the proper uh, effect as well. Okay. Right. That would be a good one. Um, all right. Jim, well, I think, what have you been um, Okay, well, for me, um, 
Well, I've I managed to finish off um, the um, some Bowida stuff that I bought from um, Martin at Vexilia um, ages ago when he started his kind of retirement downsizing, all the rest of it. So I bought um, a, f a few bases worth of the Carolingian bow mounted cavalry, bowman cavalry, which every Carolingian army has, but I think only sort of Bowida make the figures. So, um, so I bought a couple of packs of them or possibly three. So I, I, I just, I sort of painted up the horses halfly at the same time I did all the Hungarian horses. I just sprayed them all at the same time, but I'd not really spent as much effort on them. Um, and then I just kind of blitzed the, the cavalrymen. So now I've got two bases of medium cavalry, Carolingian bowmen, and two bases of heavy cavalry, Carolingian bowmen, which is all great because really kind of neither of those troop types really appear um, in, the, in the army list. They're, um, they're just described as archers or mounted archers, but then they're, um, they're actually classed as lancers. So, so I'm going to be um, lobbying anybody I know who might be on the ADLG listing to, um, to regrade the Carolingian mounted archers as mounted archers and double the number of them. Um, so, so that I can actually use these four bases, but, but they look quite sweet. They're kind of Bowida figures, which are, are quite stylized. Um, they're quite little, they're sort of tiny 15 mil real proper old school ones with, with sort of little bitty heads. And there's a, there's a couple of poses in the pack. So in a unit of 12, you've, you've only got kind of two poses They're, You know, they, I'm, I'm happy with them. They, they look nice and jolly. They're, you know, they, they look it, but they're just, they're Bowida figures. Um, they're, they're of a style that seems a little bit, even though they're quite new, they, they seem a little bit outdated. And then I also found, which I'd completely forgotten I had, um, a dozen um, War and Empire Sassanid cataphracts, because I've got a dozen already, which is three bases, three units, which isn't quite enough, even though you probably don't want that many cataphracts in a Sassanid army. Three is, is just not quite enough. So I think there's someone on eBay who sells War and Empire for about a tenner a bag every now and then, and they just come up with... Who was it? Um, yeah, I think a lot of them have been sold now. Yeah, I think there's, there's always someone who comes a few. So, so I bought I bought this pack of a dozen cataphracts a while ago, and I'd forgotten that they were in my to do list. But I, I saw them, and um, because I was, as Adam had suggested last last week, I I did actually unpack and start making some of the Malifaux stuff, and and the way I do that is I make the models these thirty two mil single figure models base them up on the 30 mil you know gw style round bases um infill the base with sand and then spray them all completely black as my standard undercoat so while i was doing that i thought i might as well do these cataphracts as well so i've got this slightly odd painting thing of some finished um 15 mil carolingian cavalry bows i've got a dozen half painted sassanid cataphracts staring at me and then I've got um, some very, very odd Malifaux stuff that I'd, I'd forgotten quite how much I'd actually got. So I've got two Firebranded and um, an Elijah Borgman, which means nothing to um, at least six of you. And, and possibly Adam's even looking slightly confused. But it's a new character in the um, Keris Firestarter kind of thing. So it's, a, it's an enforcer. It's like a, a you know, number two level hard man in your crew of seven or eight who who sets stuff on fire and 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 just sets stuff on fire with a couple of people who help him set stuff on fire um 
I've got Neil Henry, who is again a, a kind of an enforcer who goes with Marcus. So he kind of runs around the jungle, but hits people with a very, very, very big hammer, which is great. Um, I got Sparks, who is a gremlin, who is also cross faction. So Gremlins is one of the factions, and but he also plays with Ten Thunders and and Mei Feng, who's the sort of socialist workers champion from China, whilst also being like an e evil, you know, illegal drug runner from from the Middle Kingdom. And Sparks is a Gremlin engineer who who blows stuff up at distance. Is it um, Marcus Neverborn now? No, he's both. He's become dual faction. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so um, so I I can actually use him Neverborn, but I've, but the the annoying thing about his one of his changes when they changed the rules about six eight months ago is they took out the um, Night Terrors, which um, I bought one, did a probably one of my best paint jobs on it. It's like a it's like a mad evil bat thing, kind of landing on a sort of fallen over gravestone post. Did a really, really good job on it. Some really nice sort of purple dry brushing to give the sort of big black bat wings a bit of texture to it. And now that's out of faction. <laughs> Weird, weirdly enough, um, when they went weirdly from version enough, one version version to version two, you yeah. could have Night Terrors with the Dreamer mm. because it sort of fitted in yeah. the theme. So I bought some Night Terrors. And yeah. then it went to version two, and uh, no, you can't. So, yeah, I, uh, no. I feel your pain. Yeah, they were great for Marcus. And then I forgot that I bought one of the Crossroads 7, um, okay. which is one of the um, one of the weird things that Malifaux does. They, they bring out, like, special packs and special groups and stuff every six, eight months, normally to time with Gen Con. So the Crossroads 7, everything in Malifaux is kind of in gangs that are all thematic, and... Um, the Crossroads Seven was a sort of standalone group of kind of number two, number three level guys. There was no, there was no minions, there was no leader, but they were kind of they were a band who played. Are they the Five. So no, there was there was seven of them, but they um there was there was a band that played in some theoretical non-existent evil bar, and um and there was one that fitted in each faction, but you could use it as a as a faction on its own. So. Uh, you know, you don't want to buy it and waste six of the models that you'll never be able to use. So I've managed to pick up the Arcanist um, Envy from the Crossroads 7 that is an absolutely awesome model. It's like a big round 50 mil base. It's proper steampunk madness. So it's a, it's a walking kind of boat thing on four articulated steampunk mechanical legs with a double ranked pipe organ in the back, a manic guy playing away at the keyboards at the front of it, and um, and two Gatling guns mounted in the front that play when he's going mental on the steam-powered organ, walking through on um, on his crazy crazy legs um, or something like that. Um, there we go. Um, so yeah, with with all the organ pipes and steam coming out the back, and there's the mad old guy in the, the front of it, and weird claws. So. So I'm kind of doing that as well, which, which is kind of, you kind of have to have it, really. But I'd forgotten I'd got it, and and I'm kind of you know putting that together. So it is starting to suddenly look at half a dozen figures and and really work with them on the layering. So that that stuff about the jeans, um, Tams, it was kind of interesting because because a few of the <coughs> a few of the characters that I've got are quite union working 
class, you know, um, standing up for the proletariat within the evil um, drug addled mad magic world of Malifaux. So, so for, to yeah. me, that's they all but wear the, light jeans and combats. The Kujo paintings, K U J O. K U J O, okay. Yeah, some good tutorials there. The specialism in jeans, okay. All right. Well, um, well, with that, with that recommendation to um, look elsewhere for for your information other than this podcast, I think it's time for us to move on to the next feature. Okay, well, into the next stage of the um, of this epic podcast, as always, and we get to, I think, was it this week had been the anniversary of Waterloo or something kind of napoleonic yes, That's right. Okay, so... Waterloo, Wavre, Ligny, Quatrebar. There was obviously quite a lot of, um, you know, people got lost in French road signs at that time. So, um, so we get into, um, I think last week we'd finished the Battle of... Austerlitz, which if I remember correctly, when um, some bloke had been, all, all the Russians and Austrians had been on top of a mountain and Napoleon had been very clever and, and then they'd all rushed off the mountain and he'd won. And the Austrians must, I'm just, again, I'm trying to remember my, my previous week's learnings just to test myself on this one. So the Austrians had got spanked for the third time and presumably instead of like losing their empire again, they got a peace treaty. Um, which probably annoyed the English because the English have been funding them. And the Russians have probably retreated a bit through an empire that was could have held its own European championships. There were no food-based issues arising or matters arising from the Battle of Austerlitz that we're, we're particularly aware of. And, um, and so I think with that, in the week of Waterloo and 16 other battles, um, maybe it was just campaigning season, maybe they only played in the summer when they're on holiday, um, we, we get into this week's episode of Teaching Timmy About Napoleon. You know, it's, it's difficult to motivate ourselves after that melancholy French music moment. Um, other than the, the the disco bit is coming later with Andy's quiz, but but the so the Russians have sort of retreated further, and the Austrians have have pulled out their sue for peace card, and Napoleon's now you know beaten all these people again, and and the Brits are kind of like going, why are we funding these people, Austrians, and Peter's going, damn, I'm going to need to paint some people with with top hats and and it's all gone a bit weird so he he sat there in wherever austerlitz is um having having vanquished his foes for a third time he sat there tapping on the table going how many times does one man need to beat the austrians and the russians before something else happens other than him going back and becoming emperor of france yet again um so what what what's next for the you know the little chap with the funny hat well um leaping ahead a little bit um after that war, you know, the French go back to France um, and the, uh, about a year later, the Prussians got, have got the hump with the French for various reasons. And they reckon we beat the French in the Seven Years' War in the 1750s. We can do it again, not realising this, this war has like, changed. And this is like 60 years later, is it? Something no, like si- no, a year later. 
Yeah. In the 1750s? Um, We're in the 1750s, are we? No, they, they reckon we beat the French in the 1750s. There's no reason why we can't beat them again. So Failing that's basically the, the story of England football supporters between yeah, 1980 right. and... 1966, yeah. Yeah, we, exactly. We yeah. were, right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, they, they engineer a war with France. The French pile into Prussia. And, and, the, and when, you, when you say engineer a war, was that like they invade France? No, they, 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 they insulted the French and created all sorts of diplomatic trouble. And eventually the French said, right, we're going to go and get you. There's something to do with smelling of elderberries, is there? No? Possibly. Um, no, that's a different film, isn't it? It's, it's a not different recorded. Film. Okay. Um, different film. But um, anyway, the French, the French go piling into central Germany to take on the Prussians. Right. And um, the... Are they, are, they, are they just going to punishment, you know, war? Or are they actually thinking we could keep a bit of this ourselves? Or is it just the way it works? It was like, you have, you have insulted our emperor, we'll give you a spanking and then go home. So I'm doing uh, a Dave we'll, there. I'm channeling Dave. Sorry about that. And we'll take some of your artwork. We'll take yeah. some of your artwork. They're on a, a they're on artistic theft mission. Okay. So they're going into central Germany. Case. I think it's right. more a case if everybody's had a war with France except the Prussians. So it's the <laughs> Prussians' turn because everybody's been involved in this war. And as normal, everybody bails in against France because right. they're all fighting against France. And there's yeah. probably some British gold involved as well. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. They, they paid for the Brunswick army, didn't they? Perfidious Albion is behind the scenes doing its capitalist worst to destroy the communist regime of Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. the Brits are hiding behind the bike chair saying, oh, go on, I'll give you my lunch money to fight him. So... Yeah. Um, and then the Brunswickers. Anyway, the, um, where, what? What? Where? Where in the world is Brunswick? Then isn't that? You know, that sounds like West Central tweed Germany, or, isn't it? Or in, like um, a tweet, a tweed or something. Yeah, West Central Germany, or okay. also um, in Melbourne, Australia. So Melbourne. Germany's made up of loads and loads of tiny little principalities and things. So you've got the Württembergers, the Hessians, Biden. the Russians, the Württembergers. I've already said them. I think. Brunswick's are easy to paint, they're all black. Yeah. Okay, the Brunswickers. So they work right. on with the um with the with the same sort of suits. Because this is where we, this is how we end up with the Sachs Cobergs as our royal family. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, right. um so meanwhile back Germans. in the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. Um, so the, the key bits, well, I think we're just specializing the battles anyway, but Napoleon okay. goes into central Prussia, right? The Prussians mm. have got uh this staff officer called Massenbach, and it's a bit like putting Baldrick in, in charge of your cunning plans. And he right. keeps coming up with these crazy ideas, which the Prussian staff think, oh, good idea, and then realise it's complete pants. But by that time... They're not, they're not going after, like, you know, wildly over-engineered solutions that involved, you know, a huge amount of complexity, but actually <laughs> difficult to deliver in the battlefield, are they? Yeah, basically. Okay, all right. Right. Yeah. We'll outmanoeuvre the French because we march slower than them, and we haven't a clue where they are. Um... Things well, luck, of that nature. Might work, yeah. Right. Anyway, them. yeah. Well, one, one interesting feature of the 1706, the 1806 campaign is I think it shows into highlights as to how Napoleon's army was better than other armies and how it kept winning. Because it wasn't led by an idiot, is that it? Oh. No, there's more to it than that. Okay. Um, and I'll just describe it briefly if I may. But okay. basically, it ends up in two battles. Um, the French um, find the Prussians are not where they expected them to be. But because they're, Napoleon's they're roaming guys, around the country at random, trying to be clever. Yeah, um, but yeah. because Napoleon's system manoeuvre works really well, he manages to concentrate the bulk of his army against 
half the Prussian army and the Prussians have sent another half off uh, in a different direction and they run into a single French corps led by Marshal Davout who is Davout. probably the best French commander of the Napoleonic Wars. Even and he's the one Napoleon. that you think Bernard Breslau would play? That's no, the one? a different guy. That was Oudinot. Other people think Bernard Breslau would play Davout. Yeah, well, Andy's wrong. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Andy's wrong. Right, I, I've okay. had been known to be wrong. I, I'll, yeah. I'll admit it, but I don't think so. Anyway. Um, I just so, looked up in the dictionary, Bernard Breslau, and it showed a picture of Davout. That's how much... Fair dues. Okay, right. I'll have to hand that one to you then. Right. The Davout so, the, the um, thing's, thing's taking me back to a moment um, towards the end of a, a, a DBM World Championship type thing in, in Switzerland, at which me and um, legendary Yorkshireman Dave Handley... Um, possibly one of the most northern people we, we are blessed to know. Um, and, um, and and Paul as well for another chat. We were in a, a very small, weird, regional Swiss town and we ended up going 10-pin bowling because we'd been basically drinking for four days and we wanted to um, attempt to do something that wasn't just drinking. We wanted to spread it out a bit. So we ended up, after this competition, going 10-pin bowling. And it turned out that to type the name in, because this was a bit of the old school town, the the French, it's, uh, the Swiss French speaking girl behind the desk was the person who typed your name in. So when you said um, I am, she couldn't really understand English at all unless you spoke a little bit in French. So mm -hmm. I speak a little bit of French and I could explain my name. And Paul spoke a little bit of French, you could explain his name. And Dave didn't speak any French at all. And you, could just see, you could just see this like, Hall of fear descend over his face as he was panicking about going. I'm going to embarrass myself. She's going to ask me something. This is going to go on. This is going. To... And then there was this flash of inspiration, and she said, "Oh, come on, tapo too." And he went, "David." <laughs> <laughs> it's like Yorkshire French accent, and um, yeah, it was it was very very good at the time. But it's a good chance do to wave again. Do you know the reason why that's an unbelievable story? Right. Because you said you said you were with Dave Hanley yeah. and you wanted to do something other something other than just drinking. Yeah, you you'd not been to those competitions, to be honest. You know, even after four days, that was after the um the legendary Swiss nightclub, um, where we ended up having red vodka and red bull. And, um, and at one point we ended up just emptying our wallets on the bar and saying, how many can we afford? Because we'd run out of money. And, um, but yeah, Rod, Red Vodka, Red Bull at four in the morning before playing was, um, was hardcore. But yes, Je m'appelle David is, um, is forever ingrained in my memory. But, but sorry, Andy, we, we digress. We're, we're in the shores of Lake Zurich. <laughs> but um, but where, where are we at? We're back to Germany, back to Prussia. Right, we're back to Central. So half the French army runs smack into Davout's corps. He's got 27,000 men. The Prussians have got 63,000. Not only does he not get wow. beaten, he, he completely thrashes them. Okay. Um, and and just like how? Just because... Well, we'll like come to that hats. in a minute. Is it a hat-based thing? No? Um, not, no, a bit more than hats. But anyway, he, he, Davout completely thrashes them. Meanwhile, Napoleon, with 90,000, has driven off 50,000 Prussians. The two lots of Prussians are trying to escape from their respective battlefields, collide, there's complete carnage shambles, and basically the French chase them all the way through the rest of Prussia and take over the whole place. 
Did I keep it after that, or did I? Have no, they gave it back. Armistice. But um, created the Confederation of the Rhine, didn't they? Yeah. Well, the, 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 there's a bit more fighting, and eventually the, the, the rush. This is all in about October time. Okay. Um, then they they steam through. They take fortified cities like Magdeburg. Like ten hussars turn up and say surrender, and the fortress surrenders, and um, they capture Berlin, and. They chase the Prussians all the way back to East Prussia. There's a small bunch of Prussians there. And then by now the Russians have come back from Russia and are, fight, are in Poland. So Napoleon's got a bit of fighting in Poland and it's all gloopy and muddy and snowy and horrible. And after yeah. a bloody That's battle a called Eilau, which you might have heard of, um, in February in the winter, where basically sensible people would have been in winter quarters. But, hmm. you know, you've got these people having a fight. It's a massive bloodbath. Napoleon claims the victory because the because the Russians back off. But yeah. basically, both armies got completely beaten up. Right. They okay. then go into winter quarters, and then come June, when the weather is proper again, the French win a big battle at Friedland, and mm. against who? Who are they fighting? The Russians. Time? They completely oh, right. the mangle the Russians there this time. Okay. Okay. And then the Russians make peace, and there's a peace treaty in a raft in the middle of a river called the Treaty of Tilsit. So now, so he's clattered all the way through what we now call Germany, taken yeah. Berlin, all the rest of it, taken lots of siege cities. Then he's sort of handed them back. Wait, how, what? Just because this is a consistent the peace, part the of the peace bit treaty I don't really with get. Prussia. The peace treaty with Prussia. Prussia kind of got butchered. Large parts of it got cut off, and that's how the Duchy of Warsaw was created. Oh, the um, famous Duchy other, of Warsaw. Yeah, yeah. Other bits were cut off and given to Saxony. Um, Prussia lost a lot of territory um, at the end of that peace treaty. Ah, so were there like funny little comedy German states who sort of liked the French at this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, so when Napoleon beat up the big Prussian one, he like snipped little bits off it and gave them to his friends. Yeah. So yeah. he didn't have to keep it himself. No. And for example, he created the state of Westphalia and made his brother the um, ruler. Did he have to give him a, like a funny German name to do that or something? No, no. no. Well, he had a funny name already. He was called Jerome. But, right, um, okay. Right. So it's, um, like a, it's like when all the Polish people play for the German football team and that sort of thing. But these well, are the last of Napoleon's yeah. great victories. Yeah. But anyway, um, coming back to the Battle of Arstead, which is the one where Marshal de Luz Corps beat... Uh, Battle of Arstead. Arstead. A-O-U-E-R-S-T-E-D-D. Okay. It, and Napoleon was fighting at Jena, J-E-N-A, and mm. uh, Davout was at Arishtad, which is about 15 miles away. So and he was on his battle. own against... No? Oh, no. oh, no, they're on the same side, aren't they, Davout and Napoleon? Yeah, right, okay. just in different places, right? Right, okay. Now, um, so why did, why did the French tend to win these battles? Well, there's a few reasons. First one mm. is the, the French had, um, and we touched on it recently, the battalion carré system with, they had his corps... And so Napoleon could give orders to vast amounts of his army very quickly because they had a, a proper pyramid command system. So they had and, middle management, effective middle management. Yeah, that's okay. right. And, and when they marched in their core system, each corps marched about one day apart from anywhere else. So right. wherever, wherever, wherever the enemy was, the nearest corps could fix them hmm. and then the other corps could come up in support. Uh, so, so that sounds if, sort of kind of obvious. What, what, were other armies just hopeless or yeah they just like... weren't as well organized no okay um so they just on a split up into corners and round around 
well, the Pope, well, the French also had, you know, cavalry screens for all their, um, mm. you know, the, the main corps. Each corps would basically be at least two infantry divisions, sometimes more, and usually a light cavalry division for reconnaissance and uh, support. And, and, you know, this is one of the things, because this always seems to change. So how many infantry in a division? Between five and ten thousand. <laughs> five. To, so this is five to ten thousand people, all wearing like white trousers, blue coats. What kind of hats they're wearing at this time? Um, this time they're still wearing bicorns. They're still wearing bicorns. Probably. Oh no, sorry, eighteen oh six. They're now wearing shakos. They're wearing shakos. So there's groups of about five to ten thousand Frenchmen, nicely pressed trousers, shakos now marching around. They're all going. You're about a day away. There's some horsemen roaming around in front of them. They're maraudering through Germany. They're stopping at beer gardens. They're having like sausages and stuff. But all the little German kingdoms are either going, oh, you're our friends, or no, we really don't like you, but we're going to get whooped. The Austrians are sat there back in Austria going, yeah, we don't fancy a bit of this. We've had this really badly. And the Russians are kind of going, oh, God, we're going to have to do this again, aren't we, really? And then it gets cold, and then they're in Poland because they've kind of barreled through Germany and, and been a bit too silly to stop. It all gets really muddy, and um, and then it's the spring again, and then the Russians get sent packing by by Napoleon just being kind of cool, and they're still wearing shakos, even yeah. though it's um even though it's the spring. All right, okay. And back home, is his is his like brother-in-law still running the country? Is he is he emperor? Is he god king yet? Are they building in pyramids? Is the Louvre built? What's happening at home? How's he how's he getting recognised for all this stuff? Well, he keeps sending reports, and um, you know, and, and the Senate all think he's wonderful. And okay. meanwhile, there's a beginning, the beginning of some trouble in Spain because the Spanish king, the Spanish um, royal family, is, is a waste of space. So mm. Napoleon's got some guys down there, basically helping them, and then they help themselves to the country and do a coup. And Napoleon puts his brother on the throne, and um, the Sp a lot of the Spanish don't like that. So. What, so, so uh, rewind that because so you just like went and he's in Poland and was, and then accidentally there's a coup in Spain and Napoleon's brother ends up lurking do Spain. Well, he's got loads of troops elsewhere. You see, he's got mm. you know it's not just Napoleon himself has gone to Prussia and okay. Russia to fight these people, but he's got subordinates and people. You know, the Spanish were his allies, and so he sent a corps down to help them. And, and who are they um, fighting again? The Spanish. I think they were themselves. They were fighting the Portuguese to begin with, weren't they? Oh, I sorry, I'm not sure Andy, you skipped over a really important, a really important fact. <laughs> in yeah. between the Treaty of Tilsit and the opening of the Peninsula War against Spain, they changed their hats. Right. It went from bicorns to shakos. This is the hat change. That's it. Mm. That was the hat change moment. That's the important bit. Okay. So it's going uh, so well it, for the this, uh, bit, the signing bit in War and Peace as well. Fine. So yeah, yeah. he's so going so well for Napoleon mm. in Germany and the rest of it. And his superior tactics have, have, have shown that the rest of the enemy can't stand up to him. He starts to try and bite off more than he can chew. He has a go at Italy and he has a go at Spain. And I think... Spain is where he begins to come a cropper because then the perfidious Albion English can really get in there and cause even bigger trouble because the English are supporting the Portuguese, particularly against the French. 
And I think that's where we should leave it for next week. So, so the English are supporting the Portuguese in Spain yes. against the French who've gone to help the other Spanish. Um, and then Napoleon's in Poland, but then he kind of, but then there's somebody who's also one of the, which, so someone from the cast of, um, of, of the Carry On films is running the French armies, I guess, in Davu. Spain. Davu. Davu's there again. No, Bernard's no. in again. No, Davu no. never went to Spain. Davu never went to Spain. Okay. So, no. so there's some other... We've got, we've got Charles Hawtrey in Spain trying to run things. Charles Hawtrey in Spain is running the French armies who have gone down to help the French against the Portuguese who are actually the English. Is this the gist of it? So, and Napoleon's up there in Poland going, oh, I could, I could fancy a bit of um, Spanish sunshine, possibly. So does he not like think this is time for me to be in the Costas doing confronting the yeah, proper he does, enemy? Yeah, he does go down there for a visit. For a visit. That's, oh. next, that's for next week, I think. Okay. But Spain becomes a drag on his manpower, his resources. The English are being very clever by using... You're jumping ahead, Dave. Is this next yeah. week's episode? Is this next yeah. week's episode? Okay, so we're, we're stopping this week then. We're drawing a line under this week. He's, um, he's skittled his way through all the comedy German states. He's snipped bits off the Prussians. He's given it to his friends who all run countries that he's just made up. His brother-in-law is like king president of, of most of the city-states. The Hefesteiner army has got its own banner. Um, they're, they're pouring a new, um, a new glass of success on it. Wiesterfass from Feast from Feiner Weissbeer. That's all good. But there's trouble brewing in Spain. Before we finish, finish, just quickly going back to the Russian the campaign against the Russians. The Russian army actually had a female officer, well, uh, officer cadet, Nadesta mm-hmm. Durova, who'd run away from home. Uh, I think she was at her, her diaries, the cavalry maid, and alleged that she, she alleged she was 16 at the time. Uh, she was actually 23. She'd married and had a son. And she left home. I ran away, disguised as as a young man, and joined the. Ca- I joined joined up with the Polish cavalry regiment. Was okay. Was she called Bob? Was she called Bob? Yeah. Was she called Bob? Right. I'm going to quickly run and get another beer. Talk amongst yourself. This means war. So with the Napoleonic Wars put to bed for another week, um, thank the Lord, we're, um, we're now into the um, ancient or medieval or whatever it is, Art de la Guerre, list building comparison section of it. And this week we've got an Ottoman army face-off between um, my good self and, and Mr. David Russell Saunders. And, um, and this is the, the later Ottomans, list 251 in the book, which I think is, is pretty much known as the Can I Resist the Serbs? list and um and let's have. look at let's look at dave's list dave you've resisted the serbs i, I think i, have I, will, I will stand back and um describe to us in in great detail your your strategist initiative three um that is an intriguing combination tell us 
Tell us okay. how it works. List, list out the armies, list out the figures and, and tell us how this works. So I, I did go to the master of the Ottoman Empire, Dave Allen, for some advice, and then I've completely ignored it. <laughs> always always <laughs> a sound decision. Yeah, wise move. Is he busy um, smuggling counties, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I, we Is that because he always takes the Serbs? Well, so... No, Dave doesn't yes. actually. If you're fighting, if you're an Ottoman army and you're fighting other medieval armies, then the, the attraction is to take the Serbs because you've got the heavy knights. But I've resisted that and gone, why the hell do that? Because that's, that's your standard um, Ottoman army with the Serbs. And whenever I, I've often played Harrison, and Harrison uses the Serbs. And whenever Harrison's used the Serbs, he's thrown a one. And I've beaten him because I've just completely ignored the Serbs and gone round and killed all the rest of his army. So I've gone with something slightly off balance and something different. And I've actually stolen a few ideas from, um, I think it's one of the West London guys, West, West Country guys, Alan, and Adrian Clark. Adrian Clark, Mr. Warwagon. Exactly. So I've, I've kind of, I've, this, this, this army list is a, is a bit of an homage to Adrian Clark. And if you look at... Um, you haven't got the, the fortifications, though. The idea... Oh, you have. I've got right. fortifications. My apologies, so yes, you have, yes. I've got a strategist. I can move the terrain around. I mean, I, I haven't got a great initiative. I mean, some of my troops are expensive. I think getting 21 out of the army is good. Yeah, Dave, definitely. I'll come back to that one because there's something interesting to say on that. So the idea here is that um, I'm going to put down Command 2 first. Which is the what, two what's, in, what's in command two? So I've got two Capacilli who are the, the who are the bee's knees. They're heavy cavalry impact bow elite. One's a general included, and I've got two light horse with them to protect them and to you know work with them. But it's a relatively small command. It's four of my army, so that's going to go down <laughs> first into some area of open terrain, which means that. I'm going to get a good look at my opponent's army. I'm actually thinking about defending here as well. Okay. If it be, which means I'll get more terrain to hide my Yanisseries in and I'll get with a strategist, I'll move the terrain about. So the idea is command one goes, sorry, command two goes down first with heavy cavalry, only four units, the army. I'm there then hoping that I'm going to get a good look at where my opponent's knights are going to be. And what I want to do is put down command three against my opponent's knights. And the command three is heavy oh, artillery. Yeah. So I've got three um, fortifications, which have to go down. <clears throat> put them on the table. Behind them, you've got a heavy artillery, a levy, and a bowman. Just a normal so yoga bowman. Your strategy is to corner sit, basically. Basically, that's going to occupy a third of the table and it's going to corner sit, absolutely. But hopefully, if I'm sitting there facing knights, I'm going to be sitting there shooting knights, or the knights are going to have to turn around, manoeuvre and go off somewhere, which is going to cause major headaches for my opponents, because it's happened to me. <laughs> well, Adrian did that to me. I played him at Warfare a couple of years ago. He did basically that. He put down his... Um, uh, artillery and his war wagon and all this stuff and I had my Serbian knights in the middle of the table and I realised that was not a good place for them and I had to get them all out of the way 
So, and then basically the war wagon can go off chasing the knights and, it, and the war wagon with firearm fires four. Ah, which is okay. Really interesting. It's, the, it's the only firearm which shoots four. Okay. I, was, I actually had to look that up in the rules and go, really? Oh dear. And you've got supporting the war wagon, you've got a light foot to add to its shooting, you've got a bowman mediocre to add to its shooting. The bowman can add to the heavy artillery shooting. So that commands the, the wagon only fires sideways though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, but that, that command is going to dominate one third of the table. And it can't move and shoot. No, no, that's just going to dominate one third of the table with 35 points. But yeah, it's super cheap. If you've got knights, if you've got war wagon, couldn't I just dismount? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But you're still you're still gonna have to come and kill that command of 35 points. And because the artillery, the levy, and the mediocre bowmen are behind um, fortifications, it's going to take you a little bit of time because the fortification is giving me one protection. So all of a sudden, my mediocre bowmen at five points and my levy at three points is going to become, you know, essentially they've got a protection of one. Yeah, so you're, you're only, you know, even if that gets, somebody gets stuck into it, the light cavalry bow is going to get away. Your, your light infantry bow is going to get away. You're only losing four units out of your 21, yeah. aren't you? It's just and, a, it, and I'm actually also hoping that if somebody does turn around and go, oh dear, run away, that's going to free up my light foot and my light cavalry to go pestering around the back of my opponent's army, trying to hunt down the camp and things like that. Mm. It's, 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 as I say, Adrian Clark used that against me. It's a very fun command and it's mm. a very different way. I, it's what I call a DBM way of playing the game. It just forces mm. you to, to move stuff around. Okay. So I came got at a... one point of beating Adrian with that army, against <laughs> that army. He beat, me, he beat me at warfare with it in the final game. He, he did really yeah, well. I know. Well, I, I came within one point of beating him. Yeah. So you've got, um, so you've got sort of a comedy, weird, shooty, behind fortifications, proper Ottoman command. You've got a, a tiny but punchy, well, super tiny but punchy command second. What, what about your third command, Dave? What, what's, well, the is this the rest of the army? Yes, the, the rest of the army. It's 11, 11 units of the army. Wow, that's huge. Strategist to move them about. Mm. And it includes three Yanisseries who were the, you know, basically I'm looking for terrain. I mean, the whole disposition of the army is going to depend on some terrain for them. Hopefully a nice gentle hill right in the middle of the table that they can occupy and sit there shooting at everything. And basically that, that strategist, his job is just to sit there and move that group around shooting as they go. Essentially this is a shooting army and that's all it does. Almost every single thing, apart from the levy, <laughs> shoots in the army. It's plink, Your plink, first plink. call could be a bit of danger if any knights came near them. Yeah, but then I'll just back off. Andy, and Peter's up. supposed to say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then that's, oh, that's, that's where my command is going to manoeuvre. I'm basically going to occupy the opponents with the command one while... Com Core two does the manoeuvring in to try and kill things in the flank. I think you're going to end up drawing a lot of games with this. I, the more I look at it, the better I think this army is. I really do like it. I think it's lots of fun to be had with it, and I really like it. So there's, you know, there's a couple of things that, um, well, I, I guess when we look at my list, but it, it, which is one of the things I thought process I had. So you've got strategist, ordinary, ordinary, um, and you've got slightly bizarrely five. Five light cavalry. You've got um, six, I think. 
Is it um, five or six? You've got to have four. I've got five because I've got, got five. But, but why not? Why not just squeeze number. in the extra one to give you an extra scouting point? Was that a, a difficult decision? Yeah, I, no, I, he has I, got six. He's got five Akinjis and a Turkoman. That's six. Oh no, you haven't. So I, I no, miscounted. My apologies. I've got to have four Akinjis. I've got one. Yeah. I'm sorry, no, I miscounted. My apologies. Okay, points are quite quite a difficulty here. Yeah. I think it would be great to have a, a bigger initiative, but then I'm not too worried about being on the defensive and having more terrain. I mean, a gentle hill to stick my artillery on would be fantastic. A gentle hill with a with a with a field in it to stick my Yanisseries in would be great. So I'm actually quite happy with defending. The point here, um, and this is something Dave Allen pointed out, which is going to be an interesting conversation we can make out of this. Dave Allen pointed out that having 21 units in your army is much better than having 20 units in your army, particularly at the final count-up of a competition, because it gives you statistically a better result in all of your games. Percentage-wise, you get a better percentage in your games overall. What? Is that is this one of Dave's theories that makes no sense at all when you actually analyze uh, it in any great detail? So, anyway, but I mean, the idea of going down to 20 to try and get another light horse in or, you know, I mean, basically, is it, yeah, the, I mean, I've actually sacrificed a Yanissary. Most people would automatically take four Yanissaries in their army because they're the super duper troops. Mm. But they are expensive at 12 points a pop. No, I, I think they are too expensive to have 12. Sorry, too, too expensive to have four. They're, they're I, just too, know, too much. It's, um, um, you know, so Dave Allen's, one, most of Dave Allen's list have none of that artillery nonsense in Command 3. Yeah. And he has two and two. Um, Dave, yeah. Dave Allen's list, I think, is all sort of shooty and run around. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I wanted the Adrian Clark homage list in Command 3. I don't no, that's a proper, no, that's a proper Ottoman way of doing it, actually, I yeah, guess. It's exactly. just, um, there's, were you, were you not tempted to move some of the sort of Sipahi into, into Command 2, given how static Command 3 is? You know, that would give you, because I'm struggling to see how you do this with two wings with the, the core three in the middle, because one of the wings is now too tiny. Um, well, the other thing with Command 2 is Core 2 can be entirely in a, in a, um, ambush i know but if you're trying to balance you know if you were trying to put core three the the artillery and stuff down the middle or are you just assuming that's not going to happen um, I, I would it, out of choice and you know you know all plans the first thing you know no plan survives yeah. contact in a, in a in a plan core three is going to hold down one wing right and it's going to yeah. hold down one third of the table even at a slight angle, it's going to slow down. So I've got a light horse in that command to go forward and slow down the enemy approaching it to give my artillery more shots at it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, hopefully some of it might, I mean, at the end of the, yeah, the war wagon's going to go forward to try and slow the enemy down as well. Dave, you know, Dave so can I ask a couple of like, questions? The more serious one first. Um, where are you saying the command three is going to hold down a third of the table? Um, what just stops it being ignored? All oh, right, that third of the table, I'll ignore that third of the table. What, what's... Yeah, no, no, I, I, I freely admit that's, that's a possibility. Then hopefully it's going to... Yeah, if someone runs away from that command, which I think is, is quite a possibility, 
I'm hoping that allows my light foot in that command and the light horse in that command to go chasing after a camp. Okay. Uh, uh, your general becomes reliable. That's that. Well, that's why it's got a light foot and a light cavalry in that command to be out front. Yeah. So if the enemy comes within four of it, and then the central command can hold back until he comes within four of the light foot. Uh, I look I mean, at that command three as twelve easy points. Fine. Yeah. Then I, I'm, I'm very happy for you to commit, you know, a third of your army to killing thirty-five points in my army. Yeah, I, well, I, think well, it, it, I don't care about 35 points. I care that there's six units. Yeah, I, I, I look at it, I think there's, okay, it looks like there's six units, but, but I think two of those units are going to get away because the general is doing nothing with the bowmen, the levy, the artillery, and, and possibly the war wagon. Yeah. Um, having used war wagons, they, they take a while to die. Yeah. You know, this is, this is a commander that you need to commit something to it and you're only going to get four of them. And, um, you know, in a seven, eight turn battle, you're going to march up to it. There's some weird maths about you have to stop marching at a certain distance away from, um, from um, fortifications and things like that, that. That means it takes you quite a lot of turns. And, and I think the plan is the firearm wagon, the artillery and, and the bowmen, you know, there's there's four units there that are going to die. You're going to have to commit six units maybe to to deal with them. They're going to take three or four hits. So and it's just going to take a long time for 35 points while 160 points is is trying to chew up the rest of your army or, or overwhelm the rest of them. And that that first command is enormous. You know, yeah. three unisseries plus six heavy cavalry or six cavalry is is quite a big old slab of stuff. But they're going to be hiding in the um, hiding in the rough because in this period um, I've seen it in a couple of nice. games the adversaries come out of the rough they get stomped what by the medium knights I get, uh, but, um, or even also, by the heavy knights or by the heavy yeah. knights even more like, so yeah, the heavy that's I mean you, you're gonna you're, I'm gonna out with 11 units I'm gonna out maneuver any heavy cavalry knight command that's you basically those yeah the janissaries stay in cover until they move out to start operating in the flanks once i've got my medium and heavy cavalry bow in front pinning the, the knights and forcing them to charge then those those janissaries are coming down their side and they're yeah, going to get they're support charge. troops and they're better than anything else in in yeah. um, terrain and they move seriously quickly yeah Believe they're not they're not sat up there out the front at all they're, they're moving around the terrain and they're going to be doing the shooting with cavalry support. So you'll shoot your bowmen, elite bowmen, shooting at cavalry with something in support. You're going That's to shoot pretty, up anything. And can good. I ask one more question, Dave? Yes. You say that you fought a similar army and it beat you. Um, high, how highly do you rate the achievement of beating you? Oh, not high at all. <laughs> That's this means war. So um, over to mine then. So this is a, a Dan Hazelwood inspired list, really. And um, I think the first big difference to Dave is um, I've kind of snuck in extra general capacity to get the initiative up to five. Because I think this is one of those armies that 
that really does need to win the initiative and control the terrain. So yes, there's a strategist in there for sure as well. Um, and he's commanding a really big, big command, but, but getting the initiative up to five just gives you a much, much better chance. That's, that's the best initiative you're going to kind of get. Um, so you've got a really, really good chance of controlling terrain and moving extra stuff. And it's, this is an almost entirely cavalry command. So it doesn't need any terrain really at all. Um, whatever little terrain you end up with is, is where the unisteries are going to go. Um, so, so looking at the, um, the first command is kind of, it's a bit similar to, to Dave's second command. It's a, it's a Quackapulu. Um, this one's included an, an ordinary again. I've just stuck a medium cavalry bow to, to just stick that Quackapulu and give them some more shooting support. And then a couple of, of light cavalry, one of whom's impact. I think Dave, both of yours were bow. So I've sort of swapped in impact one just to, to beat up other people's light cavalry. Because there's an element here of of harassed the other person's light cavalry with with speed and maneuver by moving moving faster. Um, the the second one where you've got your kind of weird um, static kind of infantry um, shooty command, I've gone more textbook horse archer mobility thing with three elite heavy cavalry bow, which I think is a very solid force whichever way you cut it in, you know, almost anywhere, that's good. An extra medium cavalry. There's, there's one of them in, in every command on the basis that it's just a cheap way to get extra shooting, a bit of extra width, but you're, you're trying to fight with the other guys. Um, and again, that, that light cavalry bow and then a light cavalry deli impact just to, to mean that you've effectively got a six wide um, command here that will go toe to toe or harass anybody else's, mounted command with the the light cavalry impact giving you an edge against their lights the the three heavy cavalry bow um doing pretty well for you and then my my strategist is running um a big a big sort of again very similar to yours a bit like david you know, as well um so i've got three unisseries i think four is just too many it forces your it just forces your get if you have four you feel compelled to use them in a way which they're not capable of being doing. And I think Peter, you know, that was your almost, it's almost sort of the answer to your question of, aren't they going to get run over? I think if you have four of them, you sort of feel compelled to stick them in the middle and, and try and do something with their weight of shooting. And it doesn't work. Three, if, it, if they're arriving kind of later in the game or, you know, they're jumping out of terrain and, and joining in when, when stuff's already starting to happen, three can deal with an awful lot, um, but but they're still not going to sit there. You're not going to be tempted to sit there in their own. Um, and then this is another, um, you know, heavy cavalry, Quackapulu, medium Sipahi. You've got three decent um, shooting cavalry, one of them's impact there. You've got another couple of, of horse archers to make that another five wide horse archer command. And then you're using your, your Azabs as light entry bow just to pad it out to get up to 20. To and you have to have two of them anyway. You've got to have two of them anyway to support so, your unisseries in rough terrain. So you've, but, you've kind of got a, a Mongol-style army with an aggression of five, a couple of impact um, heavy cavalry bow, but this block of three unisseries who can, can just give you a bit more flexibility um, and do it. So this is so, much more the, the manoeuvre and the, the pace than Dave's. 
without anchoring yourself with that um, that unusual but Ottoman-esque command. So if you win the initiative, which you're going to do with initiative of five, are you going to attack? I think you are because with plains and mountains, I think, um, you know, you've got, you put down almost nothing, whether you put down the road or the, the you know, the bits and pieces, you put down two pieces and you're then trying to clear three out the way. Um, I, you know, I just I wonder with... I worried about having terrain for your emissaries. You've but got someone else is going. But I think you know if you're if you're attacking, you're choosing terrain second anyway. It, Tim, so you're the, the what problem the with this got. army is is as you just said, it's basically a Mongol army, but with a couple of expensive bowmen. So you can't even get the number of horsemen you'd have in a Mongol army. That's why the Mongol armies that do well in the late period, they usually take the later one where you can have a couple of elephants for impact. Otherwise, it's really hard with the Mongol army to chew them up. So in the earlier period, you know, when we go for BritCon um, and it's half and half, the Mongol armies do okay in the first half. In the second half, they struggle unless they're doing the version with the couple of elephants for the impact. Otherwise, you end up drawing a lot of games because shooting in the later period when you're up against, say, heavy knights and that, fine, you know, it's going to be hard for them to close you down. But, you know, it's, you've really got to get the shots in and everything else and be a bit canny. Um, otherwise. You know, you're not you're really having to push it to win it. You might get them close to break point, but it's trying to get the hits in. Yeah, but I don't think it's about you know it's it's shooting in terms of support. You know, you're you're feeding possibly that first tiny command in front of a a chunk of knights, and then you're using the the rest of it on a on a field that you've cleared with your your strategist and your high aggression and and, and all the rest of it to sweep around the other side and. And there's nothing that a medieval army is going to put up that's going to be as good as into rough terrain as as three elite yenisseries and, and a couple of bowmen to support them. And, most, um, most medievals don't care about rough terrain. They don't usually have that many to go into rough terrain. So they're just going to lock it out. So either you're going to have, you know, they're all going to be fighting away from the rough terrain or there's going to be that one bit of rough terrain where your yenisseries are going to sit and they're not able to come out because then they'll get stomped. Um, like I say, it's... it's I think the problem with both of these armies, I, I just see them as quite, I don't know, they're, they're both lacking a bit of an oomph. So Peter, what you're saying them. is, the problem is that they're, they're Ottoman Turks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think, no, but I think the, the challenge with the Turks, and I think where both me and Dave have gone here, is, is if you get the Serbs, you end up with an army whose, whose entire function is to be a Serb delivery system. Exactly. Everything else in the army is supporting four Serbian knights getting into contact. And and if they do all right, that's okay. Um, if they're unreliable, you lose. And and if they get into combat and don't win, which they could do kind of, you know, 50-50 against some similar number of knights, you might as well toss a coin. Whereas, but, but the rest well, of the army the... Is, involves supporting the Serbs, and that's your one strategy. Whereas I think well, with I've these, the you get some more stuff, other stuff to do. But I've seen the one with the the version with the Serbs played quite well because they've had, like you know your strengths are you've got the generosity, so no one's going to really mess with you in the terrain unless you turn up with say Almogavars or something. So you know you, you've got the terrain covered, so you can have the Serbs as that threat uh, to make them come forward because you say you know these are the things you can go up against, and meanwhile you can have the terrain uh, for the overlap at the side or have them. Um, 
you know, peppering the opposition a little bit to soften down the opposition's knights coming down. You've got the mobile side to keep uh, at least one, not two, if not two commands tied up while you're dealing with that one command with the Janissaries and the Serb knights to actually focus down on something. You've got that mobility. With, yeah. with this, you've got a lot of mobility. You just don't have the punch. Pete, but I, I, think, I think the point of this army that you're missing, it's not about the shooting so much. It's more about the manoeuvre and you're hunting for flanks and you're looking mm -hmm. to yeah. collapse on the side. And even being able to dominate an area of medium terrain, okay, the Janissaries can't come out if something hard's facing them, but nothing's going past them um, and they can come out to threaten, to threaten flanks. So it's more a... It's, and again, it's an army that I try to use and I'm rubbish at it, but I've seen people do it well. It's more a messy opponent around picking apart, take the front and flank and then collapse it from the side rather than it's, relying. Yeah. It's, it's the Mongol yes. army without the elite shooters. Yeah, yeah but, but with Janissaries. Uh, you've got plenty of elite shooting. You've got yeah, yeah. three Janissaries, so, two Katakumi. Yeah, well, I, think there's a, I think there's a slight tweak you could do to your army which might be useful, mm. which is if you make the um, Delis and the second corps um, ordinary, uh, you could then upgrade one of your light infantry ASABs to mediocre medium, which is better for shooting and support uh, and help to support the Janissaries. Just a thought. But, favorite troop type. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Tim and I played a, a Burton's double, or was it? I think Cardiff doubles in ADLG a few years ago, where there was the the, the Tim and I played against the was it uh, against a Belgium? Uh, yeah, Father yeah, the Belgian kid, yeah, yeah, where they had a Ottoman army and a Serbian uh, army. Okay, yes, the Serbians were there to to annoy people, but what the Turks did so effectively was, as a, as an army. They weren't all about the engaging. They were run up, shoot you, annoy you, pull back, shoot you again, dick around and all that. But as soon as they got into one flank, we had one Janissary unit get into a flank and managed to burst through one unit. And it basically did a Pac-Man down our flank because we had, by the time things had gotten all lined up, we had nothing, we had no second line to deal with it. And there's one Janissary every turn, charge, drop, charge, drop, charge, drop, charge, drop, and just walked its way through. And um, it was quite an effective tactic. So yes, I know it was a doubles competition. It's a little bit different mechanics, but it was, it was a very interesting way of using the, the Janissary and the Capaculi who I hadn't seen done so effectively because Tim and I rocked into that game going, We've got these guys, and about two hours later, we went to the bar game. Well, yeah, that didn't work. That no, hurt. <laughs> no, no, I think my um my kind of thing that put me off the Serbs. I, I can't remember which competition it was. It must have been last year, and I played um, Mick Bennett, and he had Ottomans with Serbs, and I think I was actually using the Samurai, and I think the Serbs might have been unreliable for a turn or two, and it, they got into a bit of a slow start, but but they came forwards. But because he had the Serbs and the Unisseries, the rest of the army was so small that the Serbs were, you know, fighting some of my three or four heavy infantry, which I just sort of fed the Serbs to occupy them. And I mm. kind of didn't mind if they lived or died. But, but then suddenly there were the, the other five, six heavy cavalry in his army were taking on 
10 of my samurai you know warriors and stuff and that we were just completely the army was completely all over him because you end up focusing so much on trying to get the serbs in and then and the serbs are still only a four wide block of knights um which isn't going to win you a game in its own it, it's just become such an obsession that not having them forces you to think a bit more about about different ways of um of putting the army together what i would say in agreement with peter however and against yeah. that a little um if you use the serbs well because any army if you do it badly and you end yeah. up attacking yeah. using the serbs to attack a block of heavy foot you're not going to do well but if you use the serbs well they do what they do very well mm. and if you were going to design an army that's a serb delivery system actually this is it so yeah that that can I mean, yep. there's a reason why you're using the Serbs as a cliche. Yeah. Because it does work. It, it does work. Works. Um, I think um, if you don't use a Serb, you've just got to work harder. And it's just yeah. like you've got to play better almost. You've got to work harder to pull yeah. your opponent apart. Mm. No, I, I think that's a fair shout. Yeah. All right. Well, the shall we? Um... Yeah. I think the Serbs are, if, if you're a. Yeah, if, 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 yeah. I mean, Serbs is the training wheels, isn't it, for this army? Yeah, it's yeah, like exactly. you know what you're doing. They're gonna they're gonna do what they do. That's the answer. But all right, well, shall we go through um, through the list then? So, so this one, you know, this one here is mine. Um, twenty points, initiative five. Um, only twenty in the army. Only twenty in the army, but, uh, but without the heavy foot, it's just a much more kind of mongoly sort of mobile army. Dave, your initiative three. You're up to twenty one. You've got the the kind of textbook Ottoman sort of mini version of of the Ottoman wall of of shooting and stuff as well, um, but you've still got the massive Unisri um, and heavy cavalry commander, the tiny Krakapulu commander as well. So they're not in in some ways they're not that that different, um, uh, but in some ways they're they're completely different. So of the two, if I sort of run down from the top, so so Simon, which of these two would you would you favour? Would it be be Dave's one with the the comedy artillery or, or mine with the i can't believe it's not mongols for me i'd go for the the tim army of the i can't believe it's mongols because you can because you've got the initial initial of a five you can either defend you can you know if you get a uh, someone who's got steps you could defend the steps get the nice open terrain to play around in or you go with you know mountains or whatever to annoy another opponent with you know Lots of lots of heavy foot or type of combinations like that. So you can hopefully deliver your army in the right place to really maximise the points. I do like the war wagon that Dave chose, just because they're a, a cute miniature and all that. But I think it just makes this army a little bit too static. Yes, if you sacrifice everything, you only lost thirty five points, and two of those are, those um, elements can run away. But I just think it does give you that corner where if someone cracks that, you can then really push around and um, you've lost one of your entire commands. So I'd go the more aggressive army. Okay. All right. Um, Andy, going, going down the list to you, which one of the two do you fancy? I, I, I agree with a lot of what um, Simon just said. I think Dave's army ties them down to defending um, and... I don't necessarily buy into the idea that two of his units can run away because effectively they're essentially going to be in one kind of corner or near the back of the board. And if the enemy attack them seriously hard enough, they won't have any space to run away to. So I think you could end up losing six units um, 
quite easily. And I think with Dave's army, it's geared for defense, not attack. Whereas yours, you are geared for attack, but if necessary, you could defend with it. So I think it gives you more flexibility. You've got stuff which could usefully, you know, you could send the first corps on a flank march if you really wanted. Um, so I think your army is more of a, you know, a useful manoeuvre army. And um, if I had to choose between using one of the two, I think I'd rather use yours. Okay. Um, Tamsin, over to you in 2008. Well, I, I'd lose with both armies quite, quite easily. <laughs> but on balance, I think I'd go with the, to me, can't believe it's not Mongols list. It's... I'm not good. I'm not. I'm not very good where my army is tied. Even part of my army is essentially tied down to an area. So I prefer the manoeuvre. Okay. Um, well, moving up, um, Peter. You know, are, are you going to vote for either because they don't have Serbs? Is that is is a pass possible um, on this one? Um, I'm I'm disappointed in both. I, I wanted my Serbs to go charging in. I boring. I, I Boring. Just, I've Boring. I've got a corner sitter. <laughs> or I've got the fake, fake Mongols. You know, they, they can't even do the Mongols. Deep, you know, it, it's just, hey, I've got Mongols turning in the grave, going, "What do you mean it can't be not Mongols? We're so much have, better. We even have elephants. The Mongols have elephants at this period." Would it be better? Would it be better if Chinese? Would it be better if one of them was allowed like badger pelt headdresses or something like that? Now you're talking. Yeah. See, well, that's why the so Serbs make a choice. The Peter, make Serbs a choice. So which one would no, you be forced to have? Um, I, I, I can't corner sit, so I'd have to run around with Tim's. <laughs> right. Yeah, Tim can't <laughs> corner sit. Peter, Peter, if you wait 200 years, the Serbians are then part of the Austrian Empire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with green trousers. They've got right. some, they're Genzers. Geezers, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, so, Mr. Warsdale, all the way from the south coast, what's which way are you on on this one? Um, first, I've got to say I really like Peter's comments. He's such a dad. He's not yeah. angry. He's just disappointed. <laughs> yeah. He's disappointed in both of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, I I actually like um, Dave's army because it looks Ottomany with the guns and the war wagon. And it's got, and it's also got cool models, um, which uh, I kind of uh, like. Because if we're going to put models on the table, um, we might as well put cool models down. But before you cheer too much, Dave, there's a however coming. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can hear it. I can hear it. Yeah, I I have got questions on how to use your army, which I am willing to admit might be answered very very well. Um, but I don't know the answers to the questions of how to use your army. Whereas Tim's army, I don't think I'll be very good with it because the sort of like Mongol army, I, as I've tried to use it, it's just really hard work and I'm not very good with it. But at least I understand what it's trying to do from the get-go. Um, as opposed to yours, I would have to use it a few times and go, oh, I've lost again, but that's how it works. So with Tim's army, at least I understand what it's trying to do from the get-go. So I'd probably go with that one. Okay, I think I think that's um, that's, is that that's complete clean sweep, isn't it? That's a full that's set. Light one, isn't it? So, Dave, you know, I must admit, I am looking at your army and thinking, do I need to prize some of my um, my my musket armed or or whatever it is um, arquebus armed 
Ottoman infantry off their bases and stick them into the back of a war again because that is a kind of cool idea. I got that down in my mind as something that had to have a gun in it and like an artillery piece, but but possibly I, I actually, that. the more I think about that army, the more I actually like it. Yeah, no, I think it would be a really interesting one to do. I don't is it one of the ones that's on tabletop simulator? I'm trying to remember. I, I can't remember. We, could, we could have a go with it. We could, have we could possibly have a go on it. All right. Well, we'll dig that out. But I think with a um, with a with a five zip um, sweep, I think your, yours is the one that goes back in the box, and, and mine's the one that goes onto tabletop simulator. Let that let that be a lesson. This means war. So having um, having ended with a, a complete clean sweep, I think it's time to to see what next week's army is. So, so Mr. Leroy Mayer, in your world as um, as IT Major Domo, we're going to do the sound effects while you um, while you go online to randomnumber.org. Is it a random.org? Here we go. Yep. Number nine, Assyrian Empire. Yeah. Look at that's that. A, it's, that's a proper it's got, army. Um, here we go. It's, hang on. It's got uh, two, four, six, eight. It's got 10 ally options. That should keep someone busy. That's a fantastic army. So so who um, who wants to put their hand up for doing Assyrians and Sargonid? That, Adam, I think this has to be one for you and your boy, doesn't it? I think as I've got a boy called Sargon, I can not very well avoid this one. <laughs> no, I think that's you. Um so, um, so me and Dave have already played. So, who, who else on the list is is someone who's on World of Saga? Well, it's either Tamsin or me. I'm I'm happy to have a go, but Tamsin wants to. I don't mind. Oh, go on then. Okay, go, Tamsin. So we got a we got an Adam against Tamsin off next week in the um, the classic Assyrian and later Saga, the one with with a million different options. You want a Hebrew ally? Take it from me. This means war. Okay, so having discussed what army lists that we could possibly put on field at some point um, in a virtual or real world, it's probably time to look at who's actually played what. So, so Simon and Andy, I understand you've actually played a game. So, Simon, how, how did it go from you? It was really good. Um, Andy and I had a friendly game last night of um, medieval Spanish versus Italian condotta. And there was violence, there was bloodshed and mayhem, and then Tabletop uh, Simulator crashed at about 11.30 at night. Just as, I, just as I was about to roll Andy's army up, that's my story, I'm sticking by it. And um, it, was really, it was actually really, really good fun. I, I'm very impressed with it. It it's really good. gave you the feeling of the game. It's not as good as Tabletop being in the pub with a, a pint in your hand. However, comma, it, it's really, really good. Okay. All right, that's good. So Andy, how did how did you think it went for you? Well, my 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 knights were all about to die, but hmm. on the other hand, I was about to kill off one complete wing of his knights, and I was wheeling my army 90 degrees so that it would have been a somewhat interesting game in that you have two complete phases. Phase one, we both beat up a part of the enemy army, then there would have been a natural lull while we got ourselves organized. And phase two, I think, would have been somewhat drawish. So I think at the end of the day, it would have been a tie, particularly if there's a timed limit, like in a competition game. 
Hmm. And I think okay. Simon might have just squeezed a few points more than me in a draw. Right. Well, you know, yeah, I can see Simon kind of disagreeing on video over that one then. So, but it was, it was, a, it was a decent game. It was a decent game. Yeah. Then Andy, I think you played another game this week as well, by the sounds of it. Me, yes. I, I played an American chap called um, Paul Georgian, and he was using Syracusans, and I was using Carthaginians. And he very sportingly put a brilliant commander embedded in a mediocre spear unit and then left it in the way of a um, Gallic uh, Im impact swordsman. And, I can um, see the way that story ends. It did, <laughs> yes, well, well, you know, we, we both rolled four on the dice. So because he's mediocre, he drops to three. So I do a hit on him, plus one for furious charge. And then I rolled one to kill his general. And after that, his centre kind of fell apart. It's, it's um, obviously he's... Um... He managed to regress from um, from the time I played when he gave me a bit of a kicking with a, with a kind of much better well, construction. I, I don't think he was plan I don't think he planned to put his um, general in harm's way, but he kind of got carried away trying to use it as an overlap uh, oh. in another combat. And you know, it happened to be there when my elephant um, medium swordsman combo rolled up against a spearman. And okay, so elephants and medium swords impact impetuous against spearmen is a, is a good deal as far as I'm concerned. Ah, okay, good. Well. Well, that's another couple of games of Tabletop Simulator. I managed to squeeze one in as well. Um, I played a, a, a Spanish policeman from Barcelona who, um, who is, is actually just picking up the game. I think he's only played like half a dozen or so games before. A former you know, DBMer and an and established player who's, who's um, oddly enough in the world of Spain, just kind of got into the world of ADLG. Um, really nice chap. We had to we had to have a short break in the game for him to put his um, his daughters to bed. I think it was kind of about eight nine well nine ten o'clock at night in the UK. Um, a little bit later for him or something. And um, he had a interesting enough talking about the Unisseries, He had uh, um, an Achaemeni Persian army with the Sparabara and the um, the other the Immortals in there. A big block of six of them. Um, four of the armored spearmen as well next to it. Then kind of a big cavalry command on one side and, and some sort of smaller cavalry supporting the immortals. And I took Alexander the Great, the kind of, you know, grab off the wiki sort of scratch textbook list with um, with with the usual one command, you know, Death Star Plus, um, a couple of javelin men, one command of of companions and a few pikemen, and then another command of of pikemen and another elephant. And um it was a really, really good game, actually. We, I, I actually recorded it, and I, I'm going to try and do a, a commentary and put it out on a speeded-up video thing so I can squeeze the whole game into about seven minutes um, from the, the couple of hours that, that we played for and try and do that. Are you going to um, add the Betty Hill music? Um, no, I think it, it might just be me talking, actually. But, um, so but it was have kind you of... convinced him to take up ADLG now oh he's he's convinced anyway he thinks it's fantastic so um and and he's already pretty good at it so I, I, so, I know someone who's selling some elephants right yes there's a man <laughs> with some spare ones somewhere but uh, but no it is my my army um just really didn't survive against the um the mass shooting from six um immortals and and um and the rest of the other guys so it really took too many dings on the way in and I think at one point I was I was one off breaking in in his turn, and he was like seven off or something, and um, and I survived that turn, squeaked a few, and then um, we ended up with a mutual destruction. So I think I kind of clawed back 
six um, six or seven elements in a in a game in a in a turn and a half to do it. Um, killed one that of his sounds like me against Rafa. I was down in the last turn. I grabbed his camp and chased off yeah. two units and got a draw when I'd been six down yeah. against him. No, no, it was, it was a cracking game. So, um, so that was a really good one. I'll, hopefully, I'll be able to get a video out of that at some point um, in the near future as well. So, so that was um, that was the week in gaming. I don't know, Ad, Adam. Have you um, have you no. played any of your kids? It's no, nothing there. Um, painting Tamsin, as much as possible. Tamsin, nothing on nothing on your side on the gaming side this week. No gaming this week. Okay. All right. Well, well, with that then, um, I think it's it's clearly you know. The gaming having done, here is the most entertaining and most competitive part of the week. It's time for Andy's Quiz. Oh, Andy, that's... It's amazing to, um, you know, I, I now associate that music with you. In fact, when I see you down the pub afterwards, I'm, I'm going to be slightly disappointed when that music doesn't play every time you walk in the room. But, um, but you know, hitters, hitters, or possibly will, Simon's recording it to, to play around and follow you around with you. But now, <laughs> hitters, hitters with some answers and, and hitters with some questions in, in the world of Andy's quiz. Well, I'm going to read back the questions from last week. Um, Tamsin, obviously, as a star pupil, was probably going to know the answer. So I'll ask Tamsin just to wait to see if anyone else has got any idea of the answers before she chimes in with the right ones. So the quiz last week was plucky numbers. Here are the official numbers of three British Army infantry regiments and a well-known fact about each one. What is the ge geographic related name of these regiments? 28. This regiment earned the right to wear their cap badges on the back of their hats because they fought enemy to both their front and rear at the Battle of Alexandria in 1801. I haven't got a clue. Uh, not a Scooby. You're the uh, so I don't know. Gloucesters. You know, do you know Tamsin? Essex. It's Gloucesters. Yeah, the Gloucesters, that's right. Why is that? Pacific I North Gloucesters? The North Gloucesters, that's right, yes. Right. So the next one is... You know, one. That's right, 1801, yeah. 57th. Right. This regiment acquired its nickname the Die Hards from its heavy casualties suffered at the Battle of Albuera in 1811. That's in the peninsula. Yeah, they got kebabbed by French lancers. On the retreat from blah, blah, blah. No. Yorkshire no. Yeomanry, no. No. There's got to be a Die Hard joke somewhere. Yeah. Do you know Tamsin? No, I don't know this one. Okay, it's the Mid North Middlesex Regiment. Dave, oh, that's where you live. That's Harrow. That's Harrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, Harrow. Not very, I think most of them died. That's why nobody knows about them. Um, yeah. And then the next one is the 88th. The translation of this non-English regiment's motto is clear the way. So there are non-English regiments, so... What they Gurkhas? Uh, it's going to be the fifty-first, fifty-first Highlanders. Well, there's a clue in the name, eighty-eight, which means they're not the fifty-first Highlanders. So they're the Highlanders then. Well, they're two fat ladies. The Highlanders. Uh, the eighty-eight formed for Connaught Rangers. Correct. That's it. Oh. But Connaught that's Rangers. Not, I, them, that's not their motto. No, the motto <laughs> is Forgabalak, which is which is the Irish for clear the way. No, that's Royal Irish Rangers. 
That might be an amalgamated one from now. No, Connaught Rangers are separate. The Royal we're Irish Rangers, Rangers I thought, was who shall separate us or none shall separate us or something like that. I, I suspect that given none of the rest of us even know the questions, never mind the answers, we should probably let you two argue this out in your own time. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it open. Right. So this okay. week, this week is a very serious question. The quiz is called French Toast. The following three French army marshals all died in unusual circumstances. How did they die? The first one is Maurice de Saxe in 1750. Dave, Dave, can we get a bit of your French accent to say Maurice, Maurice de Saxe? De Saxe. Yep. Okay. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Okay. Yeah, do your best LOLO bit, right? Next yeah. one is Alexandre Berthier in 1815. Dave. Oh, I know that one. Who? Alexandre Berthier. Yeah, in 1815. Oh, that's, I love that one. That's my favourite. But we yeah. want it in Dave's French. Come on, Dave. Off you go. What was his name again? Are you paying attention? Alexandre Berthier. Alexandre Bessier in uh, 1815, of course. Now listen very carefully, I shall say this only once. Edouard Mortier in 1835. Edouard Mortier in 1835. You know, 35. Get it right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Ladies' so. underwear going up. Here we go. Right. So, um, well, look, on, on, on that fantastic note, I think that draws another big black line under um, Andy's quiz for yet another week, or possibly another big blue line. Right, well, we're into the, um, we're into the end, end game, end zone now, I think, um, with with day 99 drawing fast to a close and um, nearly into day 100 from, from world lockdown. So, so it's the traditional roundup of, um, of what, what painting, what stuff have you got planned for this week? And, and I guess any other business as well. So, so Peter, you know, other than just chewing your beard and muttering about everything must have nights, um, what's, what's, what's Elephants your plan for this well. week? Elephants and knights. What are you planning for well, this elephants week? Elephants and knights. Um, Finish the Austrians, the, the ones with no white uh, Austrians. Um, so then I'll actually have, apart from uh, one unit, which is still on the way, I'll have the Austrian army hopefully pretty much finished by the end of the week. Um, and then um, I've got a couple of Art Liger games booked with my son, hopefully. Okay. So, we'll, so we'll 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 which game. son and how much do we think he will table you by? Uh, it's cost center number two, so he crashes <laughs> me. <laughs> Um, he's uh, he's determined to end up when we come out of lockdown with a higher ranking than me in the Art to Go rankings, and it, he knows he'll do it as well. Yeah. So in between beating me at chess, he's now beating me at Art de la Guerre. So. But well, you've got to so encourage the kids, haven't you? Hmm. We've got to encourage the kids. Hmm. I, I am, but so I, I if he uses an army to help him, hmm? if he uses an army without knights or elephants, are you going to say, "Look, son, I'm not angry." I'm just a bit disappointed. disappointed. <laughs> 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 
already done it. It's like already he done doesn't it. it. He's very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Adam, like, Adam you you've got to give him lines. Going forward. You've got to give him 100 lines. I must not use Spearman. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's been um, tutored by Simon and a couple of others when they were playing the 25 stuff. So, um, He's going to have knights, he's going to have elephants, and he's going to have all, all sort of, sorts of pikey stuff to actually go so forward and get stuck in. Uh, the badger doesn't fall too far from the tree. Yeah, no. yeah absolutely. Badger right. attack. Yeah. So, Adam, what you, what's on your painting table this week? Um, I am going to do another batch of 12 Mongol, um, Mongol cavalry, because that's, apart from four more in the general, that's the Saga army. Usually... I don't do the same thing twice because I like to do different things because I get bored. But I was so pleased with getting the other lot done. I thought, yeah, let's crack on and do the second box. So that's what I'm doing now. But I do have um, a question because um, I'm going to buy some toys. And some of the toys I'm buying is some of the 1-6,000 ships. And they're from um, Magister Militum. Mm. I also want to get some 10 mil Germans to sort of like fight against my Russians. Yeah. Magister Militum 10 mil German troops and stuff. Any good? Worth getting? Yeah, their, get? their infantry are really nice, actually. I, I think I've, I've got some of them, uh, as I do with all sorts of ten mil. But they're 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 very very good. They're a little bit more um, a little bit more from what I remember. And you know, this might be wrong. They're a little bit more chubby and cartoony than the Pendraken ones. Um, mm-hmm. But they're really nice little figures. I'm not so um, not quite so keen on their vehicles. They're a little bit tiny. You know, some of the ten mil stuff is going up to twelve mil, really, and one one forty four from the small scale. I Victrix are releasing a load of ten mil World War Two. They are, yeah, I looked yeah. At that and I was they've they've released, and I was going to get some because I might buy some more stuff from Victrix. But um, years ago, I bought a load of that sort of like pre-painted museum, yeah, ten mil yeah. German stuff. So I've got I've got some tanks to set me off. So I just need some um, toys. So if um, and are they, do you know if the German infantry are early war, late war, or you don't care they're Germans? I think at 10 mil, you don't care they're Germans, unless you really want to paint oak leaf camouflage on them, which you don't, which, which you yeah. just don't. So they're kind of, I, my, my Well, they're carrying are rifles, or they're carrying things like Panzerfaust, that's would determine well, you, it. Really, you can mix it? them up, but yeah. I, I think my, my Germans, I, I even go with kind of slightly lighter trousers and, and darker tops and coats to just give them a bit more, you know, definition and, and comedy germanness but um but yeah I'm no, they're going with spray them gray to be honest yeah spray them gray what so are no, you going to use adam uh well for the 10 meals it'll be blitz blitz free commander right yeah I, I, I've, been play, I've been playing rumble well, i quite like it i've looked at it and then i just thought another can i do another set of rules uh, and it, and it like is a board it. game it is a board game with figures um with some quite steep victory conditions but um all right so going going around the room saunders do you think you'll be um well actually i suppose the real question is have you got too many ottomans or can we um negotiate for a side deal for some ottoman cavalry on on the sly out of your um, excessive purchase no no i've, I've definitely not got enough damn damn fact, oh. you know what you know what i actually might you're wrong porter wait 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 i'm not finished i might actually need to put in an order to Kurisan in America. Right. More Ottomans. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, if I'm gonna do an army, I want I want the variation. Yeah. You know, I, I want to have some heavy cavalry and I want some medium cavalry. I want to make them distinguishable. Um I'm, I, I'm in the market for some Austrians for some uh, 
uh, Janissaries with their uh, muskets for um, Renaissance, if anyone's got some spare ones. I've got some, well, Tim asked first. Hmm. I've definitely got some Ottomans with muskets. No, I don't need the Ottomans with muskets. I've got far too many no, of those. I did, I did, you did. I, I thought I'd offer you them first before we said. So, Andy, I've definitely, I mean, I've got a bag of Ottomans with muskets. Are they any good or are they crap figures? No, they're really nice figures, but I only the old glory ones. They're they're great. For ancients, I only need a couple of them. Yeah. So I've got All a right. bag of eight, I think, somewhere. We'll discuss it separately then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that, that's a definite. Um, These are the Simon's rules. We're back back to painting. I, I'm bored stiff of painting Egyptian bowmen, as you do with any art. Yeah. You get bored of mm. painting it at a certain point. So I might shuffle them into the side of. Things. And I, I think I'm going to start painting these Ottomans. I think I'm going to start with painting some of the medium cavalry, the bulk of the army, see how they yeah. paint up, the Kurisan figures, see how they paint up. There's a lot of variation. I mean, I'm not sure about the horses, but they may look nice once they're painted. Do you find most Austrian, ca most Ottoman cavalry you have are actually modelled with spears and shields, even though they're described in most rules as being oh. bowmen? So the Kurisan figures are a real mixture. I mean, it's... I mean, I've got a big bag of like 12 here and some of them are split figures with... Well, I like the Kurisan figures. I've got some from when I was last in the States. Um, it's just that he does this weird thing about, you know, the, um, the legs are already stuck on, aren't they? Well, I mean, I think, well, Kurisan, I've got an entire Byzantine, um, later Byzantine, uh, Nikephorian Byzantine army from him, which I bought years ago. And I love that army to bits and I used it an awful lot. Um, some of the horses of this, I mean, I think he's got two or three different um, sculptors. Yeah, yeah, they can really vary, can't they? Yeah, yeah. he's got a Burmese uh, army list with lots of elephants, Simon. Mm, yeah. I've, I've seen that, yes. Some with of his sculptors have real elephant baggage, spears and things like this. But a lot of these have got open hands, which I love to bits. Mm. Um, some of them are heart split. They're very, um, I would say, gracile, using my archaeology terms. So they're very thin. You know, um, they're, they're, they're interesting sculpts. So I'm going to start painting some of them and have a look at how they look. Um. All right. Well, it sounds like if um, if you decide that there's an American order to be placed in, maybe um, maybe there'll be some more people chipping in with that one. Then, okay. Yeah. Well, Tamsin, what do you have? You Judge Dredd's now done. Are you on to a new project? Is that where this happens? Well, the Judge Dread figures are done, but so now it's case making a load of terrain. I painting a load of terrain up for it, and uh, I've got. Uh, wow, that's a stack of MDF, stack of MDF there, MDF my lord! There. Wow, wow, that's a lot of terrain. There's going to be a real smell of um, of burnt wood in your apartment, isn't there, for, for the next week or so before that kind of gets all put together? And for sure. Loads of resin. Oh, there's going to be all sorts of weird, you know, burning smells then, isn't there? So that should keep me busy for a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, that, that definitely looks like a couple of weeks project. And Andy, I think um, we, we kind of, we keep talking about your drilled Seleucids. Are they top of the list now? Yeah, I've, I've been painting the, uh, I've undercoated and put the flesh on them this evening. So I'm not quite sure what, sort of, what kind of trousers they wore, being um, Seleucid spear pikemen, but... I'm guessing linen, kind of red or something. You know, linen, plainy, yeah, beige yeah. linen, I would have thought. Get the yeah. colours onto the, yeah. the, the tunics I also discovered an, I also discovered another bag of figures which I forgot I had, and they are um, Breton light medium cavalry men. And they were, I thought they'd have the Breton allied 
for the um, Norman army. So they, they'll need painting up one stage. Okay. Yeah, and no, I, I was tempted to start doing some basing tarting up on my two dragons normas actually for some week now that I've got these um, Carolingians, even though they're completely different. They, they go in the same drawer and it made me realise my, my normas needed being a bit of doing. Mm. I think um, my stuff, I've got these, um, these, these Malifaux figures to spend some time on. And then actually one of the things I discovered or, or you know, remembered or whatever it was from doing these plastic glue together, you know, airfix glue type figures was um, because I've got all this plastic Arab 28 mil army to do that I've got loads and loads of sprues for. I actually bought a sprue clipping tool, a pair of like little tiny pliers, which Adam's waving one at me there as well. Yeah. And they're handy, isn't they? And they're amazing. It's just what a brilliant thing. You kind of look at it and you go, why am I going to spend like seven quid on this when I've got a pair of scissors and a knife? And then you get it and you're like, this just makes this so much easier. Oh, you've gone through the same thought process as everybody else. At first it's like, I don't need to buy one. I've got a standing knife. That'll be fine. Yeah. And then yeah. the end you go, I'll get, and it's the correct answer, isn't it? it they, is. they are just Andy. I actually started, you know, I, I did these like six or seven figures and I was like, this is so cool. I actually want to start doing like 200,000 Arabs just because I want to clip them all <laughs> off the sprues and it'll be so satisfying. You know, it's almost like the, um, the war games equivalent of, of popping bubble wrap. Um, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, all, all that sort of stuff, and, and I've actually ordered some um, as well. Some um, after my kind of Hungarian white paper sticky shield malarkey, I've actually ordered some water slide transfer printer paper as well, which now I know Ooh. exists, which I didn't know yep. existed before. Yeah. And there's both basically clear and white backed as well. So I think probably, um, you know, I, I think this has been the the two or three weeks of, of Black Lives Matter. But I think the um, the thing will be LBMS matters um, mm. or LBMS lies matter because I I might now have a way of, of producing my own shields that that doesn't pay the wonderful Steve at LBMS um, you know ten pound a sheet and you know I, I I feel slightly guilty about putting him into economic hardship but but I do think I probably funded um, several cars and a and a two decker extension to his house um, amongst the seven of us here to to do that amongst some of the stuff that we've done before. But it'd be interesting to give that a go and see how that all, um, if, if that pans out, yeah. it's a different yeah, Adam, thing. it was interesting what you were saying about using that clipper thing. And now, because I must admit, when I had the drill out the other week, drilling the Irish and then the pikemen, I was thinking, what else can I drill while I'm about it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, nothing, yeah. but nothing else sprang to mind. <laughs> no, there's got to be something. So, Simon, you're, you're last up then for this week. What, um, you know, the week of elephants, are you still finishing elephants or is there something <sighs> else to do this week? I've got a... With the elephants, I have to finish the, the basing off this week. So I'll do those. But then I'm going to get into some um, Re Re Renaissance plug and shot units. I'm thinking of doing some of the Swedish salvo units for 30 years war. Because I may have bought some regimental guns and some spare plug and shot units as one It'd does. It'd be rude not to. Mm. Yeah, so... Um, you may have bought. You're not sure about this. Yeah. Well, There's other I'm people very in the house who can overhear him, Adam. I think that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, we definitely did order them. They definitely yeah. did arrive, hmm. but you know, we don't don't want to confirm it to anything. No, <laughs> don't want to scare the horses. Neither anyway. confirm nor deny. No. Yeah, for safety reasons. 
No, I, I do keep looking at you now my drawers for Renaissance stuff and thinking, how much have I got? Far too much. How much will I play other sets of rules? I'll still play a bit, but not as much. How many could I convert to um, to ADLGR easily enough <laughs> to, to have a few more uh, sets? And I've got some of those 80 by 40 bases as well, yeah. which are really nice yeah. for it. So, so I, I can yeah, so see at some point if I get spare time kind of doing some, some soaking off and, and doing some other bits and pieces there. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where if you, tabletop if you, as well. Well, I may have last night after playing Andy um, started playing around with some of the the the, um, the tabletop simulator figures. So I may have d uh, done my first tercio in a tabletop simulator. So I can see some um, pocket shot units coming up later on. I have no no design skill whatsoever. So I am leveraging purely Massimiliano's. Uh, existing graphic designs, but um, after Tim showed me how you can make your own units, it's like, oh, I could, I'm bored for five minutes. Let's yeah. see. Oh, that's not too bad. Oh, I can make a tercio. Oh, hello, that that looks that that looks pretty. You know, the wargamer mentality of, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I can cobble that together. Okay. Yeah. No, so that's you, that's you for the week. Well, okay. Well, I think with that, we are, um, we're just a shade over two hours then, which is, is pretty consistently hitting it. We've had um, a consistent number of 150, 160 people within the first week or so listening to all of these. We're now, by the time this comes out, we'll be more than 100 days into lockdown, which is, um, which is slightly scary. But, but I think there are and it's sound... Longer, and it's longer than Napoleon was ruling for in 1815. Oh, okay. Right, that's that's a, an extra bonus quiz question right at the end. Um, we're, we're we're creeping up on all sorts of historical things, but but it does seem like that there's um, some weeks of sunny weather coming up, so we've got some good good opportunity to do some spray undercoating outside and get some much more painting done as we carry now, on. A oh. quick question on on the spray painting. Yeah. So I, I know we've had a debate about which base coat to use. I've been using Army Painter White spray paint. But Tim, I believe you you use a, a heresy set of miniature of uh, paints. You use Halfords, is that right? For I your do. Base yeah, painting? Halfords, Halfords car um, car thing. I just use their Halfords white matte. Halfords Sorry? Prime are very good, very very good. Halfords Prime is a good. Yeah, because yeah. they're my theory is that they're for cars, so cars need a very smooth finish because they're cars. So the, the you know if the primer is any way lumpy at all, it just would not work for cars. Um, so okay. you get dirty great tin and Halfords is one of those shops that is starting to open again now. I think they're open from next weekend. Yeah, there's one about um, a seven mile walk from me. Yeah. It's, it's probably got an online thing anyway, I'd guess. Yeah, it's, online's always difficult for spray paint though, but um but I think yeah, definitely right. Halfords, the black and the white are both very, very good. Okay, okay, it's yeah. cheap. Either either Halfords grey primer is good and yeah. the red prime the red primer as well. Oh, they've got like a red a, oxide sort of primer as well. Yeah, they do a gold primer. And on that note, it is time to go goodbye to 100 days of um, 100 days of lockdown podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you around. Au revoir.
I was going to ask earlier, why would anybody buy a gold primer? Um, Peter? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why? Why would anyone? Why? Why, why would you buy a gold primer? To paint the badges. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> How could you not get the gold but primer? the stripe in the middle, Adam, yeah? <laughs> it's for night. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, uh, I was just thinking, you, you're absolutely right. And the frightening thing is it's taken us eight weeks to work that out. Why would anyone buy a gold primer? What were you going to prime in gold? Badges. <laughs> Thank you.